Well, hey there, nerds. I'm sure introductions don't need to be made. After all, who can forget a face like this? But for those of you who are new, my name is Yana from Nerdy20. And I'm here to break the fourth wall, not only to let you know how excited we are that the last three members of our party are introduced in this episode, but also to let you know, in order to make this episode happen, something special needed to be done. We took two different play sessions and spliced them together for the unique experience you're about to have. So I hope you enjoy what's ahead, and as always, stay nerdy. No, you fool! Wrong podcast! Say the other slogan! Oh, you're right. <clears throat> Roll for initiative, heroes. Adventure awaits. Previously on Nerdy 20, this campaign opens on the island continent of Tezra, which is ruled by the House of Tanlon. For the first 300 years of their rule, Tezra knew an unprecedented era of peace and prosperity until the nightmares plagued the lands. In an effort to combat this unseen enemy, the House of Tanlon sought the knowledge and help of the Kalishtar a people well-versed in dream state. However, this was simply a ruse to place blame and achieve order during a chaotic time that had little answers. The actions of House Tanlon resulted in the banishment of the totality of the Kalishtar to the Waste, a decision which has caused some division in the realm. With factions starting to be formed and political tensions rising, we focus at this moment on the town of Lockwood during their All Hallows End Festival, and with it, the introduction of the first three of our heroes. Nalesian, the 335-year-old Shadarkai elf who hails from the forest of Formanos and was once a member of their guard. During the nightmares, some elves found themselves in a comatose state and couldn't wake up, resulting in disfigurement. The color and vibrancy of skin, hair, and eyes are all but gone, leaving them to look like walking ghosts. Nalesian is here in Lockwood on its journey to find answers for his lost years and if anything can be done for he and his afflicted kin. Zog, the towering six foot eight mercenary buckbear who most commonly works for House Tanlon, makes his profession hunting stray Kalishtar who refuse to leave after being exiled. With the festival in full swing, the chances of stray Kalishtar who have fled the waste under the distraction of celebration are incredibly high. Yana, the half-elf bagpiper. Much is not known of this stranger who stumbled into town a week ago, often speaking words that sound like nonsense or talking to someone who cannot be seen. Yana seems unfamiliar with the land he traverses and desperately wants to find his way home where he'll reunite with his brother-in-arms, Rolo. While Yana may be a mystery no one wants to solve, a man of unexplained knowledge presented himself to our trio. His name, Hoyd. After spending an evening fixated on getting the Lysian, Zog, and Yana to remain still in the same space, he finally got his wish. Knowing things about our heroes that no stranger should, Hoyd convinces each of them to investigate a home where children seem to be disappearing, and with it, put them on a path for the answers they all seek. Has fate brought our three together, or is this the work of a mysterious marionette pulling the strings we cannot see? Roll for initiative, heroes. Adventure awaits.
Hello and welcome to Nerdy 20, a D&D podcast brought to you by the Nerdosphere. We are back after our introductory episode zero. We are diving full force into campaign one. This is episode one. Dun, dun, dun. Take it away, Jesse. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So you guys are in the tavern. Hoyd is standing there in front of you. And the Lysian has come back in, joined the rest of the group. And he looks at the group and is like, okay, so are we all on the same page now? Now that you guys have put your, I guess, issues aside, would you like to check out the house? I suppose. I would love to check out the house with my new best friend and this furry guy right over here. Yeah. Is Nalesian in agreement that you guys are best friends? Because that doesn't seem accurate based upon the vibes that I'm getting from that guy. Listen, I've been down this road before. Even if he thinks so or not, he'll come around. Don't, just, don't you worry. I know how to make these uh, these tough guys melt. I, I don't even know you. It's George. Thank you. Well, it's Yana, but yeah. Is the uh, other tough guy that you got to do, you know, warm up to you or whatever you want to say, is he still alive? And he kind of like gestured towards the lock of hair that he saw you holding around? Um, <clears throat> I don't really know, honestly. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it right now, actually. Um, you, is there, is there going to be prize? Is there going to be prize money and fame when we save these kids? Hoyd kind of like leans into Malisian and is like, if that's what happens to his best friend, uh, he goes missing and he takes his hair out, watch out. Hmm. And you want me to partner with him? Uh, I never said I wanted you to partner with him. I said that if you guys want to go explore the house, you guys need to go together. It's up to you to decide if you want to partner with him, but I mean, I can only show you three of you at once. I will not show one of you separate without the group, so it's up to you to decide. Well, Yana's going to take the now empty beer can or cup that was thrown at him. And I'll put my arm around Elysian. I'm going to hold this next to his face. I'm going to give you this token of my gratitude. I'm going to thrust it into his chest. As the crowd gave it to me to celebrate my talents, I'm giving it to you to celebrate yours. And I think that we should go together to the house. Uh, well, what a rambunctious group of people we have right now. Very well spoken. Some might say we're Yana and his treble men. Oh, boy. We wouldn't say that. I think that we would. I think it's been said before, and I think it's going to be said again. Oh, uh, what? It's a musical pun, Zorg. You'll get with it. So where's the house? Where's the kids? And... Zog. Huh? I thought he was one of your friends, and you can't even get his name right? His name is Zog. I'm the furry one. It's a cute nickname. Friends do it all the time. Was Zorg the other friend that you killed, and you took a locket of his hair? That's kind of creepy. No. It was a walrus. So... Is there, is there a prize for saving the kids? What do we get by going to this house? Uh, what do you want to get from going to this house? Um, I definitely would like fame. Say you want answers to how to get home! Um, I don't know. Maybe to learn more about where we're at? Uh, you will get something from this home. I can promise that. Okay, all right. Maybe renown? I mean, that's kind of up for what you do in this house. I mean... The house is there. I can't say it's famous, but well, I guess what you do in the house could make you famous for the right or wrong reason, I guess. And Hoyd walks out the door. Nelisian follows. Yana quickly scampers after. Unscampering, just normally. <laughs> 
So you guys make it out of the tavern, assuming that all of you guys are following Hoyd. Hoyd is kind of like nonchalantly walking past all the vendors. He's kind of doing like, almost like picture Fonzie, where everyone knows who he is and he's doing like, the A, like that type of thing at people, like finger guns at everyone. Will you guys all roll me a perception check? Sure. Important question. Are there firearms in this world? <laughs> there are not firearms as of right now. Not that you, it, let me rephrase. You don't know. If there are firearms, you have not seen them. I guess it would be the better answer. I rolled a four. 21. 19. So as this happens, both Zog and Nelesian kind of see this weird eye contact between Hoyd and one of the food vendors in particular when he like kind of points at him. You keep on going there, Yana. You kind of are like scampering ahead. You're, you kind of miss it. I don't know what the two of you guys want to do with that, but you did see this weird like eye contact that seemed different than the other kind of like temporary, like, hey, how are you doing type thing that Hoyd was doing to everyone else. What kind of food is he vending? So you see a bunch of sweet treats on his food cart. So imagine if you guys have been to a Renaissance fair and you guys see somebody pushing around bags of kettle corn and or like the pickle cart. It's that type of thing where it's like a rolling cart. It's not the same as every other food vendor. So it's a traveling food cart. Did you say I noticed that as well? I'm sorry. Yes, Zog and Nelesian did notice, uh, Yana did not. Hoyd didn't particularly stop. It was just a weird kind of like, almost like a recognition between the two people. Nelesian will just make a mental note, but take a harder look over there. Can I see if I observe anything more? Roll me another perception. Okay, uh, that one was a 17. So you do see what you assume is some shuffling of wares on his traveling cart, where you don't know exactly what was there before, but you realize that the objects on the cart are different than what you had seen the first time. And it seemed like the differences, almost like sleight of hand style swapping happened once Hoyd made contact with him. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'll just take all that in. I'm not going to say anything or do anything. I just observe it. Cool. Would Zog stop at all, or would you keep going? Sure. Um, just call it Hoid. Hey, what? Uh, who's who's that guy? Oh, uh, that's um. So you can find him at a lot of places. Uh, his name is Alcarex. Uh, he just kind of like randomly shows up. So he has a traveling food cart. He tries to sell things that could be, I guess, useful at each festival. It's a little bit more off the beaten path. I, I just have known him for quite some time. Can't say I know what wares he has currently, but I do know that he sells some pretty delicious things. How long have you known him? Ooh, uh, going on at least five or six years now. I mean, we've had some hmm. backstory, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Oh, and what was his name again? Alcarex. Alcarex? Yeah, Alcarex. All right. He seems to not know who I am as often as I know who he is, but I think he would count me as a pretty witty guy overall. I, I think him and I have some fun. Do you change your appearance often? Maybe you're a man of many faces? Give me an insight check. 18. <laughs> so you know that what you asked him, Hoyt isn't giving you the full answer to, but you cannot pinpoint what he's kind of skirting around the answer with. And his answer is, no, I don't 
change my appearance much. He just knows me. He might know me as somebody else. Oh. People around here name me multiple things, so I don't know if he knows me as Hoyd or who he knows me as, but... Oh, uh, like I, how sometimes I, I'm Yana the Great, and sometimes I'm Yana and his Treblemen, and sometimes I'm... Oh, look, it's Yana. It seems like a schizophrenic problem and less of a who knows you as that, and Hoyd just keeps walking. Elysian whispers, agreed. You know, I know that we're going to be best friends, but it never gets easier being received the way that people like you receive me. Me? <laughs> no, Elysian. Oh, well, I thought you guys were best friends. We are. So how long of a walk is this? Well, we haven't been walking, and Hoyd kind of slaps the side of the traveling food cart. Roll me a perception check, all of you. Oh, gosh. Oh, I got a nat 20, so 21. 22. 3. So nat 20, 22, and a 23. Technically, it was 21 with my modifier, but I rolled a nat 20. <laughs> um... <laughs> We're going to okay. start fighting, and I'm going to roll terrible. Watch. I know, right? Yeah, you guys have all rolled well up to this point. So you see Hoyd pocket something off the cart. All of you guys do. Oh, Hoyd, what'd you just grab? I, what did I just grab? Nelesian stops walking. Hoyd kind of holds up his hands, fans him a little bit, kind of like jazz hands. Like, I didn't grab anything. Yeah, you did. I just saw you grab something. As did I, and I don't care to associate myself with thieves. Well, hang on. I mean, he and Anthrax are friends. They've been friends for a long time. Maybe they have like a, a go-to agreement. Do we get free stuff? Uh, you can try if you would like to. If you guys assume I stole something, you guys can attempt to do the same. Why would I do that? Yana will spank the cart. <laughs> you spank the cart and you see a pile of money jiggle on the end where, Wh or where Hoyd hit it. Can I roll inside to see if like, um, Soid being trustworthy, he seems to be kind of, um, I don't know if Shady's a word. Yeah, go ahead and roll me an insight. As a net one for six. <laughs> uh, he seems trustworthy. Something to note is that Alcarex pushing the food cart has not batted an eye at any of this. So while you assume that Hoyt is the most trustworthy person on the face of the earth right now, everything is screaming that Alcarex doesn't have an issue with what Hoyt is doing currently. Wonderful. So uh, with that information, <laughs> Zog is going to reach into his pickle barrel and grab a pickle. <laughs> Perfect. Alcarex, as Zog reaches in, gets ready to pull out kind of like a... I guess like a weed type switch thing to smack Zog's hand with, which Hoyd behind his back grabs the switch out of the air and flips a coin to Alcarex and is like, this one's on me. And at that point, Hoyd keeps walking. Hey, do you guys want a pickle? I would love a pickle. Thank you so much. All right, can I get it? Go for a second pickle. <laughs> okay, you reach for a second pickle and the switch hits your hand. Hey, he, he said I could. Are, he took something. Alcarex looks up and is like, Is this normal, witch? And Hoyd kind of like stumbles for a second, but keeps walking and moves on. Okay. Nelisian, uh... he said a different name. We're going to a strange place with a stranger who is giving me sketchy vibes, and he's spanking carts, he's stealing stuff, and he has another name. This is the part where I normally cower behind you. That is the most sense you've made. Okay, how much were two pickles? Alcarex looks up and is like, Two pickles? Yeah. You already had one. Wit paid for the other. Well, how much? 
he kind of like looks around you at Hoyd walking off and is like, just go ahead and take it. I feel like you're going to need this one. It's on the house. But at that point, as soon as he says that, Alcarex takes his cart and pretty much does like a drift move and runs up the other aisle. You don't see him anymore. Okay. Uh, can I have my pickle, please? Yeah, here. Oh, thank you. Hey, Wit, hang on. Hoyd keeps walking. Well, Wit, be amazed how annoying I can be. Wit! He keeps walking. He's yeah, not gonna stopping. Throw the pickle at Wit's head. Okay. I mean, at this point, he's probably 30 or 40 feet away from you at this point. I can run and throw the pickle. I'll close that distance. Oh, boy. Okay. At this point, he's like bordering walking off the map currently. So you have you have quite a ways to go to catch up to him. So if, if you want to throw it from where you're at, give me a strength check. If you want to run up and attempt to throw it closer, how far do you want to roll, uh, run? And then also give me a strength check on your throw. Yeah, sprint to 20 feet up. Okay. Are you trying to be stealthy as you're sprint- sprinting up or are you just running? No, I'm just running. I'm not trying to be stealthy. Okay. Uh, strength check for throwing the pickle. Yes. 14. You run up, you throw the pickle, and you hit Hoyd smack dab in the back in between his shoulder blades. I said wit! Hoyd turns around and he's like, I don't know who you're talking about, but I'm Hoyd. Uh, you wasted a pretty good pickle. Are you wanting to join me at the house or not? Your friend of five years thinks to think that your name is Wit. I mean, you know that I spoke that people know me as many things. That doesn't make me any less than who I am currently, which is Hoyd. Mm. Okay. He knows a lot, that guy. He knew we would need that pickle. Uh, dust off the pickle. I wasn't ever planning on wasting the pickle. I'm just trying to get your attention. Elysian, I think we can trust them. Come on. I mean, they're like 20 feet away. They got to hurry up. I never stopped walking. Yeah, I was going to oh. say, Hoyd <laughs> is well on his way towards the house. Are you guys all following? It's, I think, I know the other two are. And Elysian, are you still following? Yes. Uh, let's just say about five to ten minutes pass. You guys have kind of wandered the streets of Lockwood. A little bit of winding through the streets. Nothing crazy. Just a bunch of people out celebrating Hollow's End. You slowly start to approach a house that seems neglected. It doesn't seem as well upkept as all the other houses in the area that you guys have walked through. It's not that people are avoiding the house. It just doesn't look like anybody has lived there for quite some time. I need a perception check from all of you guys one more time. There it is. A 10. 9. 18. So, Zog, you hear a couple of voices. You can't really pinpoint where. They do sound a little bit younger, and all you're gathering from them is a couple of voices. Uh, From the couple of voices that you're hearing, you're hearing a couple of them kind of mumble about hoping that this group's a little bit different than the other and that they brought what they needed. Uh, Do you guys hear that? Hoyd kind of turns around and is like, heard what? It sounded like some kids are talking about hope, hoping this group is different than the last one. That's weird. There's a lot of kids around here. I mean, it's not unusual for them to talk about people, but I also hope uh, that you have what you need. I mean, I didn't say that. You did hear them. There's stuff you're not telling us. I'm so tantalized right now. Nelysian smirks. That was so smooth, Zog. Pats him on the back. No problem. I'll pat him on the shoulder, and my hand is still covered with, like, pickle brain. <laughs> this is the only lavender robe I have. 
Well, I mean, I guess you could say I heard them. I wouldn't say that it changes the fact that I still hope that you guys have what you need. And here we are. And he kind of points to a neglected doorway. He's like, will you go in? And he pushes the door handle down. The door swings open and you're looking into blackness. Can't really tell what's in there. Definitely no lights lit in there. What if I have 60 feet of dark vision? It doesn't seem like that helps this. It's almost like your vision is hitting something dark and glossy. It's not the normal darkness you're used to. Nelisian will stare at it and tilt his head slightly like he's listening to something. And then he'll walk inside. Oh, okay. So Nelisian walked in. Hoyt is just holding the door open. He's not saying anything. Um, I like that guy. Doesn't question things. Doesn't question me. And he kind of looks at uh, Yana at that point and is like, you should learn from him. How old are you, Hoyt? Old enough to know that you should listen to me. Why? Yana will put his hand on the door and say, Age before beauty. After you, sir. I never said I was going in. Are you going to follow your best friend or are you going to leave him to his fate in there? What do you mean you're not coming in? You're just going to leave us here? What are, what are we walking into? Well, that I was going to tell you what you are walking into, which is what your good friend uh, Zog just asked. Why? But Nelisian walked in, so uh, I would suggest getting in there quickly. Why? Just quickly say what we need to know. If all three of you guys had been out here, I would have. Uh, that's weird. Why don't you, uh, you want us to find these kids? I never said that there were kids in there. You said, wait a minute. <laughs> you said the kids are disappearing because of the house. Did I ever say that they were disappearing in the house? You said something that had to do with the house. And kids, which I have not led you astray on. I would get in there quickly if I were you. Why? What's going to happen to him? Um, so real quick, so why all of this is going on, the Nelisian has walked in through the glossy blackness. The other players do not know this, so we're skipping ahead to Nelisian for a second. You walk in and you are presented with a very well-lit room with three skulls on the ground in front of three pedestals and a tablet with an inscription on it off to the left of the skulls and the pedestals. Okay. Obviously, what you have seen is not what they're seeing. So I just kind of wanted to let you choose what you're doing right now. We'll give you a couple of seconds to decide what you want to do. You can approach the skulls. You can do whatever you want to. But I kind of need to know the direction your character is going to determine what happens before the other two make it or don't make it into the room. Nothing else of note around the room. No stairs, no other doors. Roll me a perception check real quick. Uh, it kind of depends on where your character is. 15. You see what you think is a door kind of off to the side on the left as you're looking okay. at the room, but it's kind of like wrapped around a slight bend. So you don't know if it's the edge of a door that you're seeing, but it's kind of like matches the same framework that you saw outside of the house. Okay. Um, I probably would try to read the tablet. Okay. And then go check on the door, depending, I guess, what's on the tablet. So you walk over, and this is what you see on the tablet. So while you're reading through that, we hop back outside the house. Hoyt is still standing there with the door open. His hand is on the handle, kind of guiding you guys in. And he's like, I, again, double down on what I said. I did say that there is a house and that there are missing children, and I may have implied that the missing children are tied to the house, but I never said that the missing children are in the house. That's true. I would be worried about your friend, though. 
Okay. If he is your best friend, I would be a little bit worried that he's in there by himself. We'll go in there, but you need to start telling us what's going on. What if he's dead? What if we're walking in there and someone's going to cut our heads off? I guess that's up for you to decide. I wouldn't say you're going to lose your head. I mean, well, not in the way that you're thinking. You're not going to, you're, you will not be cap. Well, I can't even say that. I don't know what goes on in the house, but I do know that this is the house you need to go into. Yeah, I was gonna white knuckle. He's gonna think to himself, don't you dare put us in a situation where we could die so soon for someone you don't even know. And Yana's gonna say, Elysian would do it for me and walks inside. You walk inside and Hoyd leans into Zog and is like, um, you seem to have your head on, right? You ask all the correct questions. He reaches into his little backpack that he'd been carrying on his back and he hands you a little bag. And he's like, this is for you. And as he says that, he kind of like pushes Zog a little bit to get him going through the door. Okay, I'll go in there. I thought I could trust you. I don't know if I can anymore, but I don't want them to die. Perfect, okay. So I wanted to give you guys, I know some of you guys have talked about uh, your characters to each other, but I want to give you guys the opportunity now to tell me a little bit about your characters, describe your characters in more detail. Like you can give me glimpses of your backstory if you want, don't share anything you don't want to, but I would love to at least know your appearance, kind of a little bit about your character's personality um, and all that type of stuff. So I don't care who goes first. I will go. My character's name is Cal Shazar. He is a human. He was previously a farmer become sage. He is very tall. He is about six foot five, maybe. He wears a lot of robes, uh, but you can't tell underneath his robes, he is Jack from working on the farms all day. So he keeps to himself, but he is actually very soft uh, on the inside. He comes from a previous life where he was a farmer. He had a young daughter and a wife, and he had lost them both to an accident. Something to do with magic. His face shows a scar over his eye. He usually remains fairly squinty. He's typically maybe smiling or just looking at things most of the time. He's got big bushy eyebrows and a big bushy mustache, so it's hard to tell his expression. But aside from that, he is a very hardworking man, though he is very gentle. He cries very easily to beautiful sights, so Sometimes you can't tell if he's laughing or crying, but um, that's up to people to figure out. Yeah, he's a wizard, I say that. <laughs> I think you left that out, but that's totally fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had known that, so I don't think I realized you'd left it out until you said that, where I was like, oh, yeah, I don't think you mentioned that he was a, a wizard yet. Yeah, just, just in case. I'll yeah, just in it. case it comes up. <laughs> yeah, if that's important here, my guy's a wizard. Nice, okay, cool. Michelle, you can go. My character's name is Dusk. And um, I'm actually a twin, and um, my twin, her name is Dawn, and she is the most beautiful, most perfect thing in the whole entire world. I am a rogue, and I, you know, grew up with my sister, and we actually do not know who our parents are. I feel like I'm giving a lot of our backstory away, and I, I just want, I want to be able for Dawn to speak to you because I think what she has to say is very important. Okay, so I am done, <laughs> and uh, I think it is worth noting that we are both tieflings and that we are very cute and pretty small, and uh, we have magenta skin, we have yellow eyes, and then we both have beautiful long dark magenta hair, but mine is in a high ponytail. And, and mine is in two braids. 
Yes. <laughs> and I've always uh, described it to people when they ask what the difference is between me and my sister, because sometimes it can be a little hard to tell. I am very people, like street smart. And that's how would you describe yourself? You know, I'm still a little extroverted too, but I'm probably going to be a little bit more blunt. And um, if you don't, if you do something that I don't like, I'm probably going to call it out, especially if you hurt my sister. Oh my God. And it's, it's the exact same for me. And it's also worth noting that she is so smart. She's like the smartest person that I know. Like I'm pretty good on the streets, but she is very good with the books. She is very, very intelligent. Uh, I'm pretty outgoing and friendly, and I kind of believe in the best of people. Um, I yeah, am... sometimes I have to, I have to reel her back because sometimes she like exposes too much about us, and then we have to be. I just have to make sure that we're safe, you know. She's just a little paranoid from time to time, but she does really good protecting us. And I am a Twilight cleric, and I actually have an entertainer background because, uh, you know, I like to play music. I'm actually pretty good at entertaining people. And so I am very proficient in the lyre, and I also like to sing very much. And so I like to make lots of friends with my lyre. <laughs> and also over drinks, always over drinks. Yes, I really like drinks too. I can actually keep up with dogs. In a, in a drinking contest, actually. I'll have to show you. <laughs> um, but I am actually a charlatan. So what me and Dawn used to do, or still do, is Dawn will just chat and I'm really good at picking pockets because, you know, I'm a rogue. So I will go and, you know, steal all the things that we want, anything that we need. Like, I can do that. Dawn is very good at distracting. But just a few things you probably need to know about me. I kind of have a little bit of a short temper sometimes, and I sleepwalk. So, um, just keep an eye out for that. And that is, that is me. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot to tell you about, the, like, our, the most important part of our life. We have a half-work mommy. Her name is Bunny. Bunny is the best. And she cooks so good, she taught me everything I know. <laughs> I love to cook just like Bunny. <laughs> she does love to cook. I like it. Perfect. Oh, did, the, did we mention that we grew up in a circus? Oh, yes. Explains the drinking. Oh, but if you call us circus people, that is actually very offensive. Yeah, please don't do that. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, cool. So thanks for indulging me in that to set the scene as to where all of your characters are. And just to make sure I have it correct, we have Cal. Is it Cal Shazar? Is that correct? Cal Shazar. Cal Shazar. And then we have Dusk and Dawn. So you guys find yourself in the town of Lockwood. Most people end up going there as a way to kind of check out. There's less political issues going on in this town. So a lot of people go here to kind of have a good time. It's a well-known festival town. So you guys went here to celebrate Hollow's End. There's a ton of food vendors that show up at this festival. Not much more than food vendors. There's not like the traditional festival where you guys are going to wander around, find tent games, stuff like that. But it's just a well-known, they always bring in exotic foods with it being as close to uh, White Ridge as it is. So you get like a lot of really good exotic foods. So your characters come into Lockwood. If you guys are looking at the map right now, you guys come in from the south down here. This is kind of the entrance to Lockwood, the main entrance here. And when you walk in, you see jack-o'-lanterns, spooky type lanterns hanging around. It's just very much kind of like spooky vibes kind of across the thing while there's still some jovial conversations happening at the food vendors. The food vendors are kind of spread out 
out in this circular island here, kind of spread out. This is the only big, I guess, building of note right now. Everything else kind of looks residential. This is the uh, the tavern of Lockwood. There's some live music kind of going on up in this area, up in the northern quadrants of Lockwood right now. But it can be heard, the music coming from the northern quadrant can kind of be heard through the downtown area of Lockwood. But I'm going to turn it over to you guys to kind of take the lead and tell me what you guys would be doing right now. Oh my god, that's great. We have to find the biggest, biggest piece of meat, I swear to God. I'm so hungry. Oh my God, I was just going to say I want some food. Like really, like everything smells so good. Okay, but how much money do you have left? I have about uh, 15 gold pieces. How many How many do you have? It's the exact same amount as I have. Okay, oh, perfect. I am thinking that this is a good time to be frugal. And so maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe, what do you think? Should we just buy it and be nice this time? Or should we maybe try to put on a little show for the festival? And then, you know, somebody has a little sneaky hands, you know? Maybe we can just like, I don't know, maybe we can find somebody who kind of looks our age, maybe like a boy, and like, maybe just ask if he can just like give us some food. I really like boys. <laughs> okay, yes, I think that's what we should do. Let's look around for some boys, I think. <laughs> okay, let's do that. We're gonna look around for boys working at any food stands. Okay, go ahead and each of you roll me a perception check. 15. Oh my god, I'm just so hungry. I can't really focus right now. I only got the uh, nines. <laughs> Okay. Oh no, sure. it's okay. I'll, I'll keep a look at. <laughs> oh god, look at that chicken leg over there. <laughs> so as you're looking around um, in your immediate vicinity, you don't see anyone around your age. You do see. So Dawn specifically doesn't see anything in particular, but you kind of get a sense based on the crowds there, dusk that more your crowd is kind of hanging around this side of the food area. So you'd feel like you're more likely to find something on the right side heading towards the tavern. Over here, you just see a bunch of food vendors and they kind of look like grandma and grandpa. It's kind of the best way to describe them. It's a little bit older on this side, but it's more rowdy on the right side. So you, you think that's kind of the more lively bunch. Okay, I'm gonna grab Dawn's hand. Okay, I think that we should go this way because I, it sounds like more things are happening over there and maybe yes, we can find somebody that's closer to our age who is working a vendor and like vendor stand and we can just ask them for food. I think that sounds good because if I don't eat something soon, I get angry. I know, I know you do. It's okay. We're gonna get you some food. Okay, thank God. <laughs> so as you guys round the corner, the scene you see in front of you is a bunch of kind of looks like the party town or like a party street that you'd see in like a college area where it's definitely more rowdy over here, a younger crowd, less people are dressed up, but it's not because they're not as lively as the other group. It's just kind of that middling age where you felt like you kind of had some parents walking around with their kids in the quieter part over here on the left. On the right-hand side, it's kind of the more lively group of people hanging outside of the tavern. What immediately stands out to you is there is a person uh, standing about halfway between you and the tavern that is exceptionally tall quite a bit taller than most of the other people and he or she you don't know you're seeing him from the back looks to be kind of interacting with a couple of the vendors nearby that's kind of the biggest thing of note and you do notice in this vicinity is a pretty big group of younger kids hanging around three particular stalls right here 
I just had that fantastic idea. Okay, so what if we also get a drink? Oh my gosh, you're a genius, Don. I'm not. So I feel like we should get food first, and then maybe we can go to the tavern and get some drinks. Because I'd rather spend money on alcohol, because I feel like people are like, they're not going to give us alcohol for free. So I feel like we should get the food for free, and then go to the tavern, and we can just pay for a couple of drinks. Okay, you pick one of the vendors, and then we'll work our little magic. <laughs> okay, I'm going to run over here. Um, so you guys run over there. Alex, what is Cal doing right now? Meanwhile, Cal's just um, trucking through the, the event here. He just loves to see all the people having fun. Um, though he's really interested to see some of the fall harvest crops, if there are any around. Yeah, are there any stalls with perhaps several crops? large pumpkins or golds. Yeah, so what you see right in front of you here is the first three stalls, so kind of where Dusk is standing. The stall off to the left of where Dusk is standing is a, it's kind of like a traditional fair food where it's a lot of fried goods, like turkey legs, that type of thing. Next to that is a seafood vendor, so fresh sushi, kind of some fresh prepared fish. And then down below that is a vegetarian stall. While they don't have any particular, say, full crops on display, you do believe that it was local goods that would have been brought into here where it's kind of from the farming community of Lockwood. So if you're looking for something more fresh and lively, you're probably looking at either the vegetarian booth and or the seafood booth. Outside of that, I need all three of you guys to roll me one more perception check. A natural 20. Oh, okay. Seven. one. <laughs> So Cal turns around and is not aware of this happening. Dawn would be aware, Dusk would only be aware if Dawn makes her aware that there is some sickly sweet wafting of smells coming from a booth vendor in particular up here that has a younger group of people around it mixed with some kids. So you kind of feel like this is maybe a treat vendor up here, some like pastries, uh, some candies maybe. That's the only real note of like smell that you get. Out Outside of that, it's just kind of all traditional. So those are kind of the stalls right around you. But the only person that knows of like the treat stall would be you, Dawn. So as I'm like looking around and I like smell this and whatever, I want to see Cal and I turn to Dusk and I say, I just thought of a better idea. There is like one old guy in like this whole place. And I'm thinking, you know, cause I, I think he seems like a nice guy. Hear me out, okay? I think he seems like a nice guy. And maybe if I just say that I don't have any money, he will buy me those weird pumpkins he's looking at. Do you want to do that now? Or do you want me to try to get, to, or do you want to split up? Like I go <gasps> to a vendor and you go talk to him. Very quickly, cause I don't, I, I, I would miss you, you know? I know, I would miss you too. Okay, but we're, we're only going to be like what? Like five feet away from each other. So I'll talk to the vendor and you can go talk to that weird tall guy. Okay. Just be careful, okay? Like, scream. If, if anything happens, if he touches you, just scream. We practiced it. I go, and then you come in. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, I head over to Cal. Okay. And what vendor are you looking at? Probably just, like, somebody who looks available. Okay. To talk to me. So the first two, you think you would have equal luck talking to either the traditional style fair food one that's right in front of you or the fresh seafood one. The stall with the sweet treats is very packed right now, but the other two do have a crowd, but they're kind of making their way through the crowd pretty quickly. So you feel like you could get some service there. 
who out of the fair food vendor and the seafood vendor, who seems closest to my age? It would be the seafood vendor. So you know that there's some additional people in the vendor in front of you, but the person standing behind the table is middle-aged woman that looks like she's kind of been around the block type thing where she's maybe had some kids, but she is a little bit older. The fresh seafood vendor is going to have a younger crowd because you feel like the kids are running the stall while the parents are in the back. So like the cooks are probably the parents and then the people running the, the table itself are a little bit younger. Okay, I'm gonna go to the seafood vendor. Now that we know you're going there, we're gonna jump down to Cal and Dawn real quick. What do you want to do for running up to Cal? Okay, so I don't run up to him. I kind of just walk over and I say, Mr. Old Man, I am so hungry and I have been traveling for so long with my sister and we were wondering if you could please spare us some money for the fair food. So go ahead, go ahead and roll me a for that. Give me a performance check on that one there. That is an 18. So this is up to you. I wanted to know what Dawn would roll here. If your character would openly believe this person, Cal, you can take it away. If you would have some suspicion, I do need you to roll an insight. Uh, well, so he's he just looking at the stall right now. He's um, he's just holding his quarter staff, just kind of stroking the wood, looking at the um, the crops around. And then he, he hears this sad little voice. And then he says, uh, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I don't really have anything. And then he looks over at her and then he's, Oh, I'm so sorry, sweetie. You can tell he's awestruck. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. Yes, what? Uh, yes, absolutely. Let me see. Um, and then he starts to, um, how much money do we have? For now, we'll give you 15 gold as well. Until we talk about it, we can make this retroactive depending on what background you want. Um, he pulls out some coin and he says, Oh, well, I do have corn to spare, and I suppose now that I think of it, I'm a little bit hungry as well. Would you care to share a meal with a grumpy old fool like me? But my sister, she's over there, and you see, nothing would help me more than food and a big drink in my hand and the company of a nice old man. Oh, I'm... So sorry, sweetie. Yes, absolutely. What would you like to eat? Uh, could I have four chicken drumsticks? For, um, you and your sister, you said? No, just me. And then I guess we should also get some for her. (laughs) Oh, um, all right. Tried to play you a song on my lyre, if it would bring a smile to your face. You see, you remind me of me little Daisy. Wouldn't you play me a song over a meal? I will. She pulls out her lyre and strums it very beautifully. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. Old Man that buys me for chicken legs. Happy birthday to you. You just hear Cal. <laughs> and then he just rubs his bushy eyebrow. Would you like to meet my sister? She is in much better health than I am. Yes, where can we buy you and your sister some chicken wing? Drumsticks, say you? Can we get the drumsticks and then meet her? Yes, just take me what you, what you drumsticks you'd like. Can I have the pie chili 
drumsticks. <laughs> are we at the drumstick stall? No, you guys are standing in front. The best part about all this is you guys are standing in front of the vegetarian stall while she's trying to convince you to yeah. buy her uh, drumsticks. So you know where they are. Because Cal, you've been around here for long enough. You know what vendor she's talking about, which is it's the vegetarian, the fresh seafood, and then the traditional style fair food. That's the one that the, the drumsticks would have been at. Okay, let's go buy some drumsticks. Okay, so as you guys are walking back that direction, you guys are heading toward the traditional fair food vendor. We have Dusk's character heading up to the fresh seafood vendor. So as you approach the vendor, they are younger, they are male, but it is definitely a fish person. He turns around as you walk up and he's like, oh, can I help you? Oh, wow. Hello. Everything looks so good. Um, I was just wondering, you just have any, like, a little sampler platter? Look, I, like, lost my money, and I don't know where it is. And me and my sister, like, traveled very, very long, and I just don't know if it was, like, any scraps that you could give us. Go ahead and roll me a persuasion. That is a dirty 20. So he kind of looks at you and kind of sizes you up and down and is like, well, my parents. And he like stops for a second and he turns around and he dunks his head in a bucket of water. And he turns around and he's like, so my parents probably wouldn't like me giving away free food, but if you give me a second, I might be able to find something. So he kind of like walks away for a second and closes the curtains to the kitchen and is like, is anybody manning the booth at this point? No, it is just him. Is there like um, something, like a basket full of something that like if it looks like somebody took something from it, it would be not noticeable at first? Yeah, so there is a basket of freshly prepared, but in like the equivalent of whatever saran wrap would be back in the day, of picture the, I am drawing a blank on what they're called that we get from Ohana, that is like the rice with like a meat patty on top of it. There's that Yes, there you go. That's it. So there is a basket of those that have been prepared and they're kind of sitting off to the side. So in perspective of the booth, so you're looking at the vendor, that basket is sitting off to the left-hand side. There's the fresh fish in front of you spread out. There's enough spacing on the table in front of you that you'd be led to believe if you attempted to take something off the table that wasn't in the basket, it would be missed. There's not enough on the actual table itself that he wouldn't notice gone missing, but the basket you would be led to believe you could probably take something from if you wanted to. I'm going to try to take two moosey bees from basket. Okay, give me a sleight of hand check. That is a 17, not as good. Because he was turned around closing the curtains at the time, uh, you did successfully take two of them. You didn't have time to fix the pile back to the way that it was before he turned back around. It's not like you did a bad job. It's just you weren't able to put it back in the way that you would have preferred as you were taking stuff. It is a little bit more disheveled than what it was, but nothing crazy. So he does turn around and he kind of coughs a little bit again. A little bit of water comes out of his mouth and he's like, so I have this for you. And he like reaches under the counter and he pulls up a platter of like freshly prepared sushi, a sushi roll. It looks to have some exotic white fish in it with some red lines 
in the fish meat, but it's just part of the fish itself. Nothing crazy. It's prepared correctly. And he puts it up and he's like, it's been sitting here for maybe an extra hour than what we would traditionally like our food to sit here, but it's still good. We've kept it cool. Uh, this is the best I can do. And he kind of pushes it in front of you. Oh my goodness. This is so perfect. You have no idea. My sister loves fish and like, she's going to be so happy. You're going to make her so happy. I just hope you know that you did a very good thing today. And I'm going to take the fish. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to accidentally bump the basket with my hip when I turn around and accidentally kind of like mess it up. And oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I'm just like very disheveled right now and I'm just very just tired. And I try to like fix what was in the basket. So like straighten up. Okay, thank you so much, sir. I really appreciate you and then I'm gonna go and find Don. Something you do notice as you turn around and kind of are walking away from that vendor, you notice a pretty large bugbear approaching the vendor that you're just now leaving. That's about it. He kind of not bumps into you, but walks pretty closely like he's not aware of his size and then kind of walks up to that vendor and he engages in conversation with that same vendor you were just talking to. I'm going to pet his arm as I walk past him. Cool, he kind of shrugs at you and and you notice that as he shrugs at you, you notice him pull out a little piece of bark and kind of like squints a little bit while holding the bark kind of in your general direction. And he shakes his head and he puts it back into his pocket. Doesn't really make much sense to you. You're not used to seeing this. Um, but it is something that he does as you walk away. So we are back over to the traditional fair food vendor. And what are, I, I'm guessing Cal is over here This who's going to order, correct? Yes. Okay, so you approach the vendor. It's kind of like, a, like I said, traditional, almost like imagine what you'd see at like a Ren Fair style setup. So you have turkey legs, you have drumsticks, you have some mead here, but very far and few between. They're kind of directing people that want to drink into the tavern. And that is all you see. There's a little space clearing out in front of you. You don't feel like you would have an issue getting it to that space, Cal, because of your size. Dawn would have a little bit of a hard time pushing through the crowd if it wasn't for you. So if you're wanting to kind of lead her up to the vendor, she'd have to take your lead there because there just isn't space without kind of pushing her way through. But you do see an opening. Yeah, I saw walk in the opening. Okay, so as you approach the vendor, you see kind of the traditional setup where they have a couple of menus thrown out on the table if you want to order something more fresh. They have some hanging meat behind the counter that they could easily take from, uh, give you what you're looking for. They do have a couple of different flavors of drumsticks and or turkey legs, whatever you're looking for. Uh, you are greeted by a kind of slightly older male, kind of probably about the equivalent of what would be the two twins' parents' age at this point, but maybe just a little bit younger than you. And he's very quickly working his way through the line where he's kind of stopping like a bartender along the way. Like, what can I get for you? What can I get for you? So he sees you and Don walk up and he kind of points and like, what do you want? Uh, what was it that you'd like, sweetie? Four drumsticks for me. And if we can do four drumsticks for my sister and then however many you want. <laughs> oh, um... Well, let's just, let me ask this nice fellow. Excuse me, how much for a single drumstick? Did you not read the menu? And he points at the menu and walks off to help somebody else while you're... Wait, I want to grab him go. I want to grab him and say, did you not listen to the nice man? Wait, so wait, did you grab the vendor as he was walking away or did you grab Cal? No, I grabbed the vendor. Okay. He kind of looks around and is like... <clears throat> 
What was that? I asked, what did you want? How many do you want? Not, oh, I want drumsticks. What do you want? He asked you how much it was. Again, I can't tell you how much it is till you tell me what you want. As you can see here, the drumsticks vary on flavor, you idiot. Can I see what they read? Yeah, it's really cheap fair food. You believe it's not greatly prepared, and it's actually just dipping sauces that are given with the drumsticks. They're not actually coated in it. So you can tell that this is a little bit of a sham where they're trying to make a little bit extra money than they normally would have, but it's still all relatively cheap. For what you're ordering, say you're doing the eight total drumsticks, and then whatever you would want, you'd be looking at five silver for the order that you're putting in. Okay. If you're looking to double that amount he's gonna push you to seven silver is the vendor shorter than i mm, he is but he's very stocky like he's a well-built man okay i look over to him and i put my hand on his shoulder no need to grumble with the princess sir we will take our eight drumsticks and go and then he hands him the coin he kind of looks at you and looks at and he's like whatever and he puts slaps the menu back down on the table and he turns around and he's like eight drumsticks now you hear the chefs kind of preparing some stuff in the bag. And he goes, what dipping sauce do you want? What dipping sauce would you like, sweetie? I like orange and pie <laughs> chili. We'll take those, he says to the vendor. Uh, and he goes, I don't have ranch, I have this. And he slides kind of this like white cream sauce across the table. He's like, it's not the traditional ranch. We use some of our, you know, local herbs, but here's your drumsticks and here's the Thai chili. And he kind of puts it on the table and you have what you came for. He looks at him with what was a very mean face, just turns to a smile. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Yeah. Wow, you are like the coolest old guy ever. I mean, I, you are so cool. <laughs> it seems like this food is helping you already, sweetie. Let's go find your friend. I need all three of you to roll me a perception check again. Four. Nine. <laughs> Nine. Okay, you guys don't see anything. You do notice that as you're kind of walking away, the vendor that you were just at is kind of dropping back into his old mechanics of like grabbing menus from people and being like, what do you want, you idiot? I, I'm running a business here. Like he's treating everyone the same, but that's about all you see. So I don't know what you guys want to do from here, but you guys are all standing in the middle of the road as you guys have stepped away from the vendors a little bit. The crowd kind of mills in around you. You're causing a weird divide now in the flow of traffic where you guys are almost like the equivalent of a median in between where people are kind of flowing around you, but you do find Dusk. So you guys have turned around, you see Dusk conveniently walking your general direction with her plate of food as well. This is my sister, my healthier sister. Oh yes, she's been sick for so long. Like, oh wow, you guys got food, you're really tall. Oh my, it's so pleasant to meet you. Yes, I found your friend here, and it appears she's so your sister, and it appears she's quite ill. I thought that um, perhaps I would just share some drumsticks with you, sweet. You are very sweet. Thank you so much for everything. Okay, goodbye. And I grabbed Dawn, and I... I think we should go to the tavern with him. He got us all this food. Oh, I mean, I mean, no pressure, but if you would spare some time for an old man like me, I um, could use the cup and I'm just here for the social occasion. Let's all go to the tavern, Dust. Okay, we can go to the tavern. 
and you can come. What, what is your name? My name is Desk, and I put out my hand. Oh, yeah. He reaches out and grabs her small hand. Dusk, oh, you also just reminded me of my sweet Daisy. And my name is Dawn. <laughs> Dusk and Dawn, it's a pleasure to meet your acquaintance as well. Are you guys here just visiting for the festivities? I think I cannot talk until I have a drink in my head. <laughs> Okay, so she really needs a drink. I know it sounds like very weird, but she needs like, you know, that's a little bit of alcohol to, you know, to make her throat feel better, you know, clean out all the viruses. Yes, that does sound weird. Let's get a drink. Okay, you guys walk in to the tavern. As you kind of survey the land, you walk into what you would believe is a normal scene for the tavern. So it's kind of like a traditional rambunctious group of people. There's some live music going on to a stage to your left. They have a dual bar set up where you have the bar right in front of you. And then if you kind of look off to the right, there's a bar kind of off the distance against the far wall the right-hand side. You believe that they're traditionally that busy that they needed two bars to maintain business. Things of note, Dusk, when you walk in, the only person you recognize is the same bugbear that walked past you going to the fresh seafood vendor. He appears to be a little bit wet, like he's been splashed with some water maybe. You don't exactly know why, but he does seem to kind of be dripping a little bit. Next to him, you see him kind of engaging in conversation with two others. He's very intently, you see him holding up the piece of bark again to people that come up and talk to him. And that's about it. Those are kind of the main things to note is the music going on on the stage to your left, the two bars. And then, the, like I said, the only person you recognize is the bugbear right now. Is there like a place that we can all three sit? Yeah, so there's a couple open stools at the bar. There's two open stools at the bar in front of you. There's no open stools on the right-hand side. Or there's a couple of tables kind of like thrown about the tavern that you feel like you could either preoccupy with another group of people. They're kind of like big picnic style tables where they have benches on either side. Or you can try to find a more secluded small tabletop. It might take you a little bit of searching or persuading to get some other people to leave. But you do feel like you could find a couple of seating options depending on what you're looking for. Is there room near the bugbear, like in that group? I just kind of want to listen in their conversation. Yeah, so it's a couple of seats away to the right. So they're, the bugbear is talking to two others and they're kind of secluded off to the left-hand side a little bit, but and then there would be a couple of people in between them, but there's a couple of seats that are within like three or four seats of the bugbear that you think if you listened hard enough, you might be able to glean a little bit of information from them. Don, I saw that bugbear like earlier and he wasn't wet before and now I'm kind of curious on why he is wet. So I kind of want to go sit over there and just like listen to like what they're saying. Hey, you lead the way. Okay, I'm going to lead the way over there and sit down, but I'm going to place myself. I'm actually going to place Dawn closest to the bugbear, and you're just a better listener than I am. So you guys are in the tavern where you guys are kind of sitting at the bar. Cal doesn't have a seat at the bar based upon where you guys went, but he's close enough to the bar that he can place his food on the bar next to you guys, kind of have a conversation. As you guys sit down, kind of prepare yourself at the area that you're at, the bartender swings by and is like, what can I get for you? Uh, what is the biggest size that you have? The biggest size of what? Uh, the biggest size of the strongest drink. 
So he goes, well, if you're looking for um, like ale or mead, you'd be looking at something like this. And he puts like the equivalent of like the German boot down on the table. It's a pretty significant glass there. If you're looking for, you know, wine, mixed drink, not that size, but it's, it's stronger. So it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. And as you guys are saying that, he kind of reaches over and is like, give me a second. And he like listens to an order coming from the other side and he starts pouring some mead into a glass, but he's still kind of paying attention to you guys. He's just fielding a couple orders at once. I'll take the big ale. Perfect. He's like, that'll be uh, one silver. And a tagan calls sleep. He's like looking off in the distance. He's like, oh, 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 yes. Uh, and then he reaches in his bag. Wait, I'll take one too, please. Same size? Yes, please. Okay. Two? Do you want one, sir? Are these. Uh, oh. are you're letting your daughters drink right now? Oh, these aren't my daughters. Why? Um, I don't, I don't know drink. if I want to know what they are to you then. Do you want to drink as well? Oh, no, thank you. Just two for the missus here. Thank you, good sir. And then he hands the coin. He turns around and he pours two boot-sized drinks for you guys, throws them on the table and is like, two silver, please. Grabs the silver and he kind of wanders off. So you're kind of left to either have conversation on your own now, or if you guys are purposely attempting to listen to the bugbear's conversation, I would need you guys to roll me a perception check. Okay, so I want to stuff two of the chicken legs in my mouth and like gnaw on them like an animal. And then at the same time, try to listen. Cal is just watching Dawn strangely, but also just eating his own drumstick and just kind of smiling at her rambunctiousness. Perfect. So as that's going on, so you're attempting to listen, right, Dawn? Yeah. Are you also listening, Dusk? Yes, I would like to be listening, but I'm not going to gnaw on my bones yet because I want to be able to hear, and I'm just like picking with my hands. Go ahead and give me a perception check, both of you that are listening. <gasps> nat 20. Not a nat 20, uh, a <laughs> four. <laughs> Perfect. Are you attempting to listen as well, Cal, or are you just enjoying the, the company? Yeah, enjoying the company. He doesn't think about the bugbear. Okay, so what you hear, Dawn, is you hear the bugbear talking to somebody that has a musical instrument on their back that is slowly joined by a second person that also has a musical instrument on their back. And the bugbear is addressing the other two people at the bar. And what you notice is as the bugbear is talking, kind of animating, you hear a little bit of, Is, uh, is, that, a, is that a wig? What? No, it's a lock of hair. Okay, well, no, on your head. I, I know it's Hollow's End. Uh, is that your real hair? Yeah, why? Okay, put, put these on, Kalashtar. What? Why? You can't fool me. What? Okay. Hair, whiter than birch bark. Yep, yeah, you're Kalashtar. What? Why? What is going on? Who are you? Zog. <laughs> what the? Zog? What? Why? Why did you handcuff me? <laughs> You're Kalashtar. No, I'm not. Get, get these off of me right now. And then he kind of turns, and as he turns, you notice that the first guy with the instrument on his back, his right hand is shackled to the bugbear. The prisoner seems completely carefree about being shackled to this bugbear. And as this is happening, you guys observe a fourth person now walking up to this group, and you don't really hear what he says. He's kind of talking to the bugbear and the person attached to him. And then this other person is kind of talking to all three of them. He's kind of pointing to a piece of paper, talking about a couple of things. And at that point, 
the last person that just walked up walks out of the bar again, walks out of the tavern. And that's kind of where the conversation ends that you guys can hear kind of gets a little bit more rambunctious, kind of gets lost in the mood of the tavern. Okay, out of character, Molly, do you think we've met Kalstar on the road? Because we're traveling circus, so I feel like we've encountered them. Is that okay? Like, what do you think, Jesse? I, I think so, yeah. So I would actually argue with your age that you guys would not have seen a Kalstar unless they made themselves known to you at the circus. We can play into your backstory, but for the sake of this, we're going to assume you have not met a Kalistar yet, because you guys are too young to have had them around you consistently, and they've become more and more scarce. The only person here at the tavern of your group that would recognize a Kalistar would be Cal. He's the only one that would have knowledge of it because he's in a more rural area working on farms that you would be led to believe he probably would have seen a stray Kalish star from time to time. But since you guys are circus performers, you guys are in the bigger cities, so it's less likely that you would have seen Kalish star. Okay, then maybe I can say it a different way. Do I hear them talking about this? Well, you he- yes, yeah. Right. You're standing close enough that you're observing this conversation. You don't know the frame of reference since you weren't trying to pay attention to the bugbear. You just hear the conversation happening in front of you that they're discussing Kalish Star. Gotcha. Apparently, he's hooked up to a Kalish Star. I've never even seen one. Yeah, I've never even met one. That seems kind of sad. He's shackled to him. Cal overhears this, still finishing his drumsticks, still just with a smile on his face, and then he slowly turns around, and then a big frown overcomes his face, and then he says, that's no Kalistar. Do you know him? I know a Kalistar when I see one, and that is not it. Well, how do you know? Oh, yeah, how do you know? How do you, like, determine, like, if they're a Kalistar or not? When you've been around, <laughs> around as long as I have, then I've seen plenty before, and I've seen what the Tamlon have done to them as well. When you see one being taken in, it's a sight to behold, so I've seen my fair share of Kalistar, and that is not it. Isn't that weird, though, still? I wouldn't want to be chained up to a big bugbear. Yeah, me neither. That is true. Very perceptive. So as you guys are having this conversation, you notice that with the departure of the fourth person that walked up to the table, the bugbear and the person shackled to them are kind of like confused as to what to do next. The person talking to them is very clearly wanting them to do something in particular, and they seem a little bit hesitant about it. And all of the sudden, out of nowhere, the bugbear and the person shackled to them turn to have a conversation together, the person behind them vanishes for a half a second and then pops right back to their place. It happens so quickly, you're not sure if what you thought you saw was accurate. It taps one of them on the shoulder again and starts engaging in conversation. And at the same time, the guy that just left the tavern is slowly walking back in. We all see this? Yes. I think we should go talk to them. That's really weird. I'm just curious. Do you guys want to go talk to them? I want to go talk to them. I don't know. You all saw that, right? That blinking man. Oh, no, I know magic. That was magic. You know magic? I do. <gasps> I don't like to just throw magic Wait, around, no, you but see. but we really want to see. You know what I can do? Watch this. And I cast thaumaturgy and I turn off all the lights. No, 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 no. And then I turn them back off again. 
That's quite some power you have there. I mean, I, I'm very careful with magic. It is a dangerous tool, ma'am, and you should be very careful when you decide to use it, you know? You should see Dawn's magic because Dawn is very, very good at magic. She's very powerful. Stop it. <laughs> I don't know if he actually knows magic. I know. I already showed him our magic. Oh, all right. I can do this, and I summon Sacred Flame. <laughs> Look at it. It's so pretty. Oh, please, please put that away. I, I try to, like, close your hand. Do you not like it? You girls should really be more careful with why you decide to use your magic. I don't think he knows magic. I don't think he knows magic either. Oh, I know magic. And then he casts Minor Illusion to make a little daisy appear in his hand and just have it float. Oh. And then he just stares at it. Oh, I didn't always know magic, but I've learned quite a few tricks in my day. So you're like a wizard. I'm going to call you Mr. Wizard. No one's ever really called me a wizard. You guys, the people that we're going to go talk to, they're not there anymore. But that person still is. I was talking to them. So in the mix of you guys talking and performing your magic, Dusk, well, she's the first to see that the group is not there. You don't really know where they're at until you hear a very large, loud strum of music on stage. And the person that was attached to the bugbear is up performing on stage now. The person that they were talking to is still standing at the bar, kind of admiring what's going on on stage, but is kind of like, making subtle eye contact with you guys kind of like like he's aware that you guys are looking at him now but he's also enjoying the music that is on stage the bugbear and the person that walked in with him you don't see anymore there's no shackles on the guy's wrist performing on stage any longer is he the blinking guy the guy that vanishes the one at the bar not the one on stage and he's looking over at us? He was looking at the stage, but you can tell he is very aware that you guys are all looking at him. You guys aren't being subtle enough that it's being hidden from him. He's not really making eye contact with you per se, but he's keeping an eye on you out of his peripherals. Speaking of being careful with your magic, why is this man using his magic? Dusk, will you please come with me? I want to walk over to the man. The guy at the bar? Yeah, and say it. Excuse me, we just think you are so cute. <laughs> we just can't stop looking over at you. You're the most handsome man in the room. You really are. Roll me, both of you roll me a persuasion on this one. That's a nat 20 for me, um, making a total of 27. 11. So he looks at Dusk and gives her a wink and looks back at Dawn and is like, ah, the most handsome, you say. I feel like I've heard that countless times. I don't know how truthful you guys are being, but I will take the compliment regardless. Yeah, I was just nervous because really it is my sister that thinks you are so handsome. Oh my god, stop, don't say that. And this is our guardian. He's just a little concerned because he's very protective of my sister. And he's the one that you said thinks I'm handsome? I don't know if I call that a compliment. No, he's just a little concerned for my sister. He's very protective. Oh. Yeah, he's with us, but he's just been watching over at us. He's just standing there, big, heavy brow, and kind of like raising one up, also looking at Dusk and Dawn, kind of confused at their approach to the situation. So as you guys are talking, the person on stage has now progressed to, you feel like maybe they've had a little bit too much to drink and their music is dropping off just a little bit, to the point where some people are getting a little restless in the crowd. Well, 
that seven and a half silver I didn't have before. I am so happy that I, George the Magnificent, could bless your ear holes tonight with the warm, welcoming tones of my bagpipes. I want to thank you all for your time, and I will gladly come again anytime you would like. And the person leaves the stage and kind of makes eye contact with the person far, waves a little bit and runs out of the tavern, to which point the person that you guys are talking to turns around and is like, well, since you guys have sparked up the conversation, I might as well talk to you. I, apparently I'm meeting groups of three tonight. I will talk about the same thing I talked about with those people. My name is Hoyd. And he extends his hand to shake all three of yours. He doesn't really take the time to actually shake your hands. He just like quickly moves it in front of each of you like he's actually shaking his hand and then kind of puts it away and he's like so i have a proposition for you same proposition as those fine folks that just left you guys are familiar with hollow's end i guess in the tradition of you know like mm, trick-or-treating that type of thing is that something that you guys are aware of where you guys are from oh yes i love trick-or-treating oh yes you guys are much more forthcoming than this other group. So trick-or-treating. Uh, so there is a house here in Lock. Wait, what was that other group? Like, who were they? Who's that, like, a big guy? Uh, and why was he wet? Uh, so he... Have you seen the food vendors out front? Oh, yes. They're lovely people. So I take it you've met the fish vendor then, right? Well, some people are a little bit too dense to realize that the tank that the fish vendor pokes his head into is there for the sake of being able to breathe. Let's just say the bugbear treated it as a wash basin, and that did not go very well for him. Do you know what was up with that piece of bark? Uh, I think it's his misconception of tracking down Kalish Star. For some reason, he seems to believe that holding this piece of bark, and he like pulls the same piece of bark out of his pocket. He seems to think that this is an indication for Kalish Star, so he uses this to try to decide who he's going to hunt. He clearly hasn't met many Kalish Star, or he would realize that this is a flawed perception, but I let him get away with it. I don't. Where'd you get that piece of bark? Why do you have one? And as you ask that, he kind of fans his hand, and he's like, I don't know what piece of bark you're talking about. You are a wizard too. Uh, you could say that. I'm well versed in magic. And he's like, are you talking about this piece of bark? And he holds it back out. And he goes, uh, I just uh, asked him if he had a spare one. I kind of wanted to test it out myself and see how accurate it was. I, in my days of wandering Tezra, I cannot say that this has ever passed the test, but I will gladly keep it for future reference. We never know when this will come in handy. And he puts the piece of bark back in his pocket. But anyways, back to my proposition. He's like, you guys know trick-or-treating. There is a house in this town where a couple of trick-or-treaters over the years have maybe gone missing. And I was wondering if you guys wanted to check out and maybe earn a couple bucks, see what's going on. Are you like the authority or what, what are you? I am well known, but I am not the authority. I just know things. I am known as many things. Authority is not one of them. But like I said, you can call me Hoyd. What does Hoyd look like? Hoyd looks like... I want to roll insight on him, too. Uh, go ahead and roll me an insight while I am pulling up the character description. How do you spell his name? H-O-I-D. And what was your insight roll there, Molly? And what were you trying to glean from this insight roll? So my roll was a 15, and I'm just trying to see if he seems shifty or like he's hiding something or just is generally kind of a shady character. So you don't get 
the impression that he is shady. You get the impression that he's not used to readily giving out information about himself. He's kind of a reserved person that likes to, you kind of get the sense that he's not going to tell you more than he feels is necessary, but it's not from a shady perspective. He's kind of guarded on what he's saying, but you don't get any shady vibes from him. It's just, you can tell he's kind of protective of what information he's giving out. Okay. And then as for his description, he is on the younger side, but that doesn't say much because he is a half-elf. So while they don't age as quickly as humans, they do age a little bit faster than normal elves, but younger for him doesn't necessarily mean young to you guys. He has kind of a little bit darker complexion, just sun-worn. He has a tight-knit cut around the sides of his head with a little bit longer hair pulled back that's brown into a tight-knit bun on the back of his head. He is carrying a loot on his back, and he is in performing clothes, so he's used to being in front of an audience. He speaks to you as somebody that knows what he's talking about, has kind of walked in these shoes for a little while, but he's just kind of guarded with his verbiage that he's using. But he seems like a nice, homely person to talk to at the same time. Okay. And you say children are disappearing here? Yes. Uh, it's been hard to pinpoint exactly when they have disappeared. We just know that it is tied to this house that I speak of. Hmm. And is it dangerous over there? Is it the bad crime in that area? Not particularly. I mean, Lockwood is a pretty respectable town. It's hard to say if that's a rougher area than anywhere else, but I wouldn't say that crime is a normal happenstance in the town of Lockwood. So it is a little bit odd that they have gone missing. We'll just put, leave it at that. I don't really have the ability to go into said house at the moment, so I can't check it out myself, but I have been told that this is the lead that we have. So I've been kind of trying to point adventurers that look like they're up for a small task towards the house. How much are you willing to pay? Let's just say I'm not paying anything out of pocket, but I think the rewards you'd get on the inside are well worth your time. What does the inside mean? The inside of the house. Oh. Is it abandoned? Again, I can't go in, but I can say that people that come out of the house do appear to be better off than when they went in. Cal, we have to go. Hold on. We are definitely going. Well, there's something else. Excuse me. Hoy. And he leans onto the table. You say there's no crime that often happens. Then mind you tell me why that bugbear had a prisoner with him? As far as I can gather, he hunts Kalishtar for the Tanlon government. So he was attempting to, I guess, bring in a bounty. So I wouldn't say that it's crime. I think he's just a misconception on what a Kalishtar is, but I didn't correct him. It seemed to work itself out. They're, you know, heading towards the house themselves. It's like a competition. It's just like a race. Do we have to race them? He like sits here for a second and you can tell he's like not fully paying attention to what you're saying. He's like holding up his hand, like, hold on. I give him a high five. He kind of like looks at his hand and he's like, uh, <laughs> kind of like, is like, I don't know what to do with this. And he goes, I'll be right back. And he vanishes again for like 30 seconds. And he kind of comes back and he's like, okay, that's done with. He's like, sorry. Where did you just go? What was that? I had to go relay some information to somebody else. I... How do you do that? What is that? As fellow wizards or magic users, I guess. Are you familiar with an incantation or spell known as Dimension's Door? No. No. I do not know what you're talking about at all. Let's just say I can go from one place to the next very quickly and then back. 
Mr. Wizard, do you think you can learn that someday? I would certainly like to, but for now, I would like to know where the other doors that you just went, sir. Doesn't matter where the other doors that I went are. I came right back here. I'm here to talk to you guys. I gave information to another group of people, and now I'm back. Peculiar. So is this a race? Do we need to go beat up the other people? You wouldn't need to beat them up, but I will say there could be an opportunity if you get through said house before they do. We have to go now. Hey, where's the house? Oh my gosh, we have to go now. Okay, okay. I'm going to give Hoyd a hug goodbye. But where's the house? Hoyd kind of stands there for a second and like, okay. So leave the tavern, go right about, I don't know, maybe a 10 minute walk, give or take. Pretty much don't vary off the path that you're on you will eventually run into a house i will meet you there at some point and he kind of sits there for a second and is like i hope to see you soon and he's like just remember to keep being your sweet selves and he vanishes that man was so nice i was going to steal that piece of bark and he just disappeared hold on comes back for a half a second and goes Remember, be sweet, and he vanishes again. I am sweet. That was rude. Oh my god, this is crazy. I think I know what he means. Okay, sister, you are the sweetest person that I know. Now I need you to be your very smart self, because I think I know what he was talking about. I was very focused on finding food when I ran into Cal, who so kindly gave me food, and now I'm feeling much better. Thank you so much. And I think I remembered smelling a very popular station that was right outside. And there was a lot of people gathered around it, but it was a sweet shop. I smelled it, it smelled pretty sweet. So I think that we can go that way. Okay, oh my gosh, and maybe we can get some pastries for like dessert or something. That was my primary goal. Okay, let's go. I'm gonna link arms with Cal. Yes, I'm just thinking. You know, that bugbear, I feel like we should stop him or that man might go to prison falsely. Well, didn't he get up on stage to perform? Wasn't he free? Yeah, I think he was free. And if we are gonna go, they're going in the same direction, right? So we probably will see them again. And you could burn him with your magic, Mr. Wizard. <laughs> I'm very cautious still, but... Okay, so you guys leave the tavern and as you guys are leaving the tavern the same vendors are all set up as you're walking towards the sweet treat vendor the first couple of things that you notice it's it's so i say vendor lightly it's more of like a traveling cart that you guys are walking towards that has kind of set its roots here for the time being but you do believe that the cart could get up and move at any point and as you walk up to the booth you guys notice the only hanging piece of paraphernalia around the booth is sweet treats provided by angelica and you see a picture of a unicorn on the poster and the vendor behind said booth at this point is a blue dragonborn and as you walk up the crowd is kind of dissipating a little bit and the dragonborn looks at you guys and asks what he can do for you oh welcome one and all those simple people please come and eat from my booth here i have pleasures galore i go up to him and say hello we were wondering if we could get uh what do you think does how many do you think we should get I don't know. We got sent here for like a little mission. Do you know anything about that? I think we just need some sweet treats of some sort. 
I know not when you speak of freaky little devil girls. Yet, um, you're more than welcome to any of my treats. I do have this fancy new taffy full of delight and pleasure, if you'll have it. And how much is it? You know, it's not very nice to call us freakish little devil girls. We could call you freakish little lizard man. She did not mean any of that. We would just like some of your nice taffies. Oh, were you sent by the tavern man there for my sweet treats? Yes, yes, uh, that is it. who sent us. <laughs> oh, wait, I mean, uh, Point sent you, correct? Uh, yes. Oh, then you'll take this taffy, correct? I've been trying to sell it all day. No, people are buying it, I assure you, I promise. People do like it, and they are buying it. Well, now that you say it like that, I don't know if I want to buy it. Yeah, I want to make an insight check on that. Okay, you've rolled me an insight then. 14. You believe that he's telling the truth that people have bought the taffy before. You are not quite sure the time frame in which the taffy was last purchased, but you do believe he is telling the truth that taffy has been purchased from his booth at some point or another. So, what is your most popular? It is the taffy. Absolutely. Were you not sent for my sweet taffy? Uh, there's no need to get rude, you know? <laughs> We're just here to buy your taffy. Like I said, he's very rude. Is there another place that is selling sweet treats? Because I don't want any from you. Uh, well, if you do buy my sweet treats here, then you will not have to deal with me anymore, correct? So, might as well buy it and leave. Uh, no, she didn't mean any of that, actually. I'm gonna try to take some of the taffy off the cart. I, can I see her trying to do that out of the corner of my eye? Are you trying to be subtle, or are you just reading? for the taffy. I feel like me and Dawn would have like a signal for when I want to. So like, I'm gonna just like tap the inside of her palm. Okay. And like, that's a signal for her to distract. Okay. Whatever is going to happen in this scenario, I need Dawn to roll me a performance check and I need you to roll me a sleight of hand check. I will let you roll the sleight of hand check with advantage because of the performance going on. Okay. And in the meantime, I'm gonna say, well, maybe if I sing you a song, you'll give us a nice discount. And I start singing very loudly and very annoying. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, little star. As loud as I can. Please, difficult. Yes, it was two gold coin, and now it is one gold coin. 21. Okay. Performance was 13. Oh, 14, sorry. Perfect. So 21, and you said 14? Mm hmm Okay, so as this is happening, Alcarex is well aware of what's going on at the booth. He has seen this before. I will let you pick, Alex, on if you feel like having played Alcarex before, is this something Alcarex would care about or not? It's up to you to pick. Knowing that Hoyd sent them here. Hmm. Alex. Excuse me, Blue Dragon Man. I do believe that they are misguided. Please do take my gold coin and we will take some of your sweet taffy and go. They are very sick and very hungry. Are you not? And then he nudges Dusk. <coughs> oh, you see that? Very sick. We will be taking some of your taffy and we will go. Oh, you simple man. You speak for these blue devil witches. Take this taffy and get out of my sight. I don't know why which sends any of these people anymore. They won't even take the damn taffy. I'm just gonna reach my hand where the taffy is and take a handful and just walk away towards the house. Can I, I wanna take one as we're walking away and I wanna like investigate it. Okay, what are you wanting to investigate with it? Are you looking for magical properties? Are you just investigating the taffy? Like what are particularly are you looking for? I think I'm specifically looking for if it smells weird or bad, like if it's it's not good, basically. You do a sniff test 
and it smells like the sweetest taffy you have ever smelled in your life. You don't believe Alcrex was lying about the quality of the taffy that you purchased. It's a specialty of his. It is made with unicorn milk, so it is left to believe that it is delicious and everything that you'd hope taffy would be. I want to eat one. So you reach into the bag, you eat a piece of taffy, perfect. Oh my God, that was so good. You guys have to try it. I take some of my handful and I eat one of them. Okay, so we have the bag that Alcorex gave you, and then we have a small handful that Dusk has. So you guys are heading on your way now to, I assume, away from the vendor. As all of this has happened, you don't catch sight of Hoyd at this point, but when Alcorex was talking to you guys, he kept looking off to the left in the direction that you guys were going. So you do believe that Hoyd has pointed you in the correct direction. I just want to say to Cal, you're not a simple man. Don't listen to that mean old lizard. Oh, I do appreciate that, Princess. You see, I don't take the words of old grumpy lizards like that anymore. Well, and neither shall you. Well, if he ever hurts your feelings, or if he did hurt your feelings, just let me know. You can change your mind. I can play a little trick on him later. She is very mean when other people are mean. Believe me, there are not many other things in this life that can hurt me. Oh, what would? Oh, that's really sad. No, it's no, it's nothing. I just, just um, I prefer to look on the brighter side of anything that you want to go get a chicken leg yeah do you want like another like ale i know that you didn't have any but we could go get more if you want oh no i'm just fine thank you i think what would help me now is just knowing the mysteries of these poor missing children not being able to return to their parents then we'll go yes let's go find out so you guys make your way to the house standing outside of the house ready to greet you is hoid he looks at you as you're approaching and is like, I am so glad you guys understood what being sweet meant. I see that you guys have picked up some of Alcorex's taffy. He was kind of an asshole. Uh, yeah, you'll you'll learn to love Alcorex for all of his uh, shortcomings, as we would say. He's a good guy at heart. I've known him for quite some time. You can say we've been through it, but anyways, here's the house. And he kind of gestures over his left shoulder. You see kind of- Is he holding his hand out like that? Yes, he's like- I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to throw a piece of taffy in his hand. He looks <laughs> and hits his hand and he's like, ooh, I don't think I would waste that if I were you. And he like picks it up off the ground and like hands it back to you and it is now covered in dirt. He's like, you might be able to salvage this. You might want that. And he drops it back into your hand. And as you're taking it, he high fives you and is like, is that what we're supposed to do? High fives you and is like, okay, my bad. I want one too. A high five? Yes. And he takes Cal's hand and high fives you and is like, here you go, here's a high five. That was so great. He's pointing at the house and he goes, I again, unfortunately cannot join you for one of many reasons, but as you can see, this is the house, children missing, fun groups of people walking in. I recommend you doing the same. And he kind of pushes the door open to the house, but as he's pushing the door open, the door swings inward. And what you guys are faced with is kind of this shimmering black, almost liquid coating the entrance of the door. You can't see anything past it. It's not your normal type of quote unquote dark. You can't see in the room. Well, 
I guess we go in. Wait, you girls are so hasty. Do you not understand what we're looking at? I should have not seen such a thing. I mean, it's just one foot in front of the other, you know? We just walk inside. I want to pick up, like, a pebble and, like, throw it. As you throw the pebble in through the doorway, you don't notice anything in particular. It just kind of vanishes. Liquid blackness kind of ripples a little bit as you throw the pebble through, but nothing more out of the ordinary than what you just saw. It is a little bit odd what you're looking at, but at that point, Hoy looks at you and is like, do you guys not trust me? Not really. Don't, don't touch it. I'll go first, okay? Wait. And then he stops Dusk as well, and then he does an Arcana check. Okay. Give me your Arcana check. 16. It is magical. You don't perceive any ill will coming from the magic that is emanating from the door. Other than knowing it's not evil, you don't know much about it. Okay, Cal, not wanting the girls to be in danger, peeks his staff through the door. So as you start heading in, Hoyd slaps you on the back and is like, good man, and ushers you into the door. I go in the door. Cal vanishes into the darkness. Cal, can you hear me? Hello, Mr. Wizard. You cannot hear them. Mm. Do you want to go in together? Yes, please. I hold out my hand. And we walk through the door together. He's like, good, perfect. I was hoping all three of you would go in. As he goes in, Hoyd reaches into the blackness and pulls the door back shut. You take in the same scene when you walk in. It is very clearly not the glossy black that you guys saw before you walked in through the door. It is a very well-lit room. Three skulls on the ground laying on individual pieces of rug in front of pedestals. And then there is a tablet off to the side that has Nelesian standing in front of it reading something. Nalesian would like to look at the pedestals and see if they are different in any way. Okay. As you are looking at the pedestals, the leftmost pedestal has an inscription of a bull, the middle pedestal has an inscription of a book, and the right pedestal has an inscription of a crown. And the skulls? The skulls have nothing on them. Nothing to distinguish them. They all look the same, bleached white bone they all look around the same time period none of them look older than the other ones they all look almost identical and the rugs underneath them that they're sitting on also identical nelisian will reach down and pick up the first one the one that's closest to him when you pick up the first skull it says my coins were earned by others does the mouth move it does just a little bit Dear God! I'll pick up the second one. Uh, the second one says, Every day I watched fools perform. Yana, touch that last one. Let me ask you this. Are you holding both skulls at the same time? Or are you? did you pick one up and then put it down and then pick up the second one? Or are you holding both at the same time? Mm, I, well, now I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess both. Okay. No, I probably would have put it back down. Okay. If you put it back down, then you clearly heard... Every day I watched Fools perform. If you left the mode in your hand, you were just going to have both of them talking at the same time. So it would have been hard for you to distinguish one from the other. How long have you held the second one now for? Too long. It looks gross. As long as we've been talking. Cool. <laughs> uh, so you've noticed that as you're holding it, uh, roughly after it says what it needs to say, five seconds pass and it repeats the same thing. Okay, and I'll sit that one down and touch the last one. And then the third one, after Nelisian picks it up, says, I must ask rather than demand. I mean, I do this every time I perform. I ask for donations. So Nelisian hasn't shared any information and hasn't said anything. He's going to pick up the first skull and put it in the first pedestal, which is the bowl. Did anything happen? 
You don't okay. know. He'll pick up the second skull and put it in the third one, which is the crown, and then the third one in the second pedestal. Well, Yana is so lost that he's now getting enthralled in the fact that he can't decide if this pickle juice is going to stain his lavender robes or not. So before I say what's going to happen, all of you guys give me a perception check real quick. And what was Yana doing? Uh, He was just kind of like looking at his shoulder, kind of like rubbing it, hoping that the pickle juice wasn't going to stain. With all of that in mind, give me your perception checks. 19. 11. Yana, give me a perception check with disadvantage. Okay. Uh, That was a four. Zog and Nelesian see all three skulls pop off the pedestals back to the rug. Nelesian, you see something emanate from the central pedestal. Nothing emanate from the others. Yana has no idea what's going on. He was brushing his shoulders off. But all three of the skulls moved off the pedestal and went down back to the rugs in front of them. You did all hear some childish laughter happen after the first placing of the skulls. Did I, I heard the laughter too? Yeah, there was nothing trying to hide that. It's just kind of like, almost sounded like it came out over a loudspeaker suddenly. What was that? We'll soon find out, I imagine. It's gonna grab skull one and put it on the third pedestal. Okay, nothing happens. It stays on the pedestal. And then, um, hey, uh, Delisian, which one did you, uh, which one did you put in the middle? He'll reach down and pick up the third one and put it back in the middle. Okay. The remaining one I'll put on the bowl. Perfect. You place the third one on there. All of the inscriptions light up uh, and you hear a clicking sound. The skulls do not teleport back off the pedestals and go back to the rugs. They stay on the current pedestals that they're on. They all start kind of like chattering a little bit, like the almost like the skulls are vibrating just a little bit. Oh my God. But nothing crazy. They're just kind of shaking in the on top of the pedestals. What is going on? Nelesian will give a side glance to Zog and say, you're not quite as dopey as you lead on, are you? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's because the crown, uh, a lot of uh, lords and such, they uh, they get their coins from someone else. Indeed. Yana walks up saying, is there a crown over here? And he'll look at it. Oh, it's just a stupid drawing. Well, wait a minute. Uh... Hoyd gave me a little bag. I'm going to look at what's inside the bag. Are you looking or are you showing everyone else what's inside the bag? Well, I'll look and uh, I'll decide if I want to show anyone else. He gave you something? While you're sending him that, the inscription read, Here lie the skulls of a beggar, a wise man, and a king. Each should find rest in the appropriate thing. What does that mean? <laughs> what is going on? Why are their kids laughing? Why are these skulls moving their mouths? And what are you guys whispering about behind my back? I want to be a part of it. We're not whispering. Mm. Candy. Candy. I want candy. Yeah. I, I don't really have a sweet tooth. I don't think. Uh, I eat when I get nervous, so I would love something. I'll give him a piece of taffy. No. No, I'm as happy as can be right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the, um, the door on the left of the screen, that's not the one we came in, right? Correct. Yeah, that is not the one that you guys came in. You guys have not looked for the door that you came in from, but if you guys did look, you would turn around and see nothing. Oh, this is weird. Um, let's, let's go. Here's a door. I had an ugly friend one time. He could fly. He would do an inspect magic. Can either of you guys do that before we go touch it? No, and I'll go touch it. Can I see if there's any dangers about yeah, uh, go ahead 
And what type of dangers are you wanting to look for, I guess, would be the question. Are you like wanting to see if there's people nearby? Are you checking for traps? Like what are you? I'll be uh, looking for physical, physical traps. If you're just looking around, give me a perception check. Uh, 17. Uh, so you don't see anything in particular. Mm-hmm. That's not meaning there isn't anything nearby. It's just meaning that it's not the traditional danger that you would think of. Like if you're looking for something that's going to pop out and harm you, you don't see anything like that. Okay. All right, stand back, George. <laughs> All right. Watch this. Yeah. I'm watching Zog. <laughs> <laughs> what are we watching right now? I'm watching Zog. We're watching Nelisian open the door. Okay. <laughs> and I am behind Zog looking like kind of like off to the side. So half my face, so my right eye can look behind it, but most of my body is behind Zog right now. Perfect. So you're opening the door, Nelisian, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, door opens. You are looking through dark, shimmery-esque blackness, very, very similar, if not the exact same as what you saw looking into the house the first time when Hoyt opened the door. What do you see? Another test, and I'll step through. Cool. Another test? I hate tests. This isn't normal. No, it's not. Uh, can we walk in together? Okay. Through the door? Okay. I'm gonna um, offer my hand. I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna take the hand. You walk in through the door, and when you guys walk in through the blackness, you are greeted with this scene here. So your characters appear in a room. Cal's character is a little bit further ahead than both of your guys' because he came in first. In front of you are three skulls sitting on three rugs in front of you in front of three pedestals. Off to this left side of the skulls and the pedestal is a tablet. That is kind of what you see at first glance. Can I check the room for any traps or anything like that? Yeah. Um, are you wanting to check? for magical traps or physical traps? I'm gonna do physical traps. Okay, so roll me an investigation, please. Can I like help her to give her advantage on her roll? Yeah, so roll an investigation with advantage. Okay. Me too. Are you wanting to check for our magical traps or are you checking for physical traps as well? Oh wait, they're checking physical, I'll check magical. Okay, so you roll me an arcana check and Molly, like I said, roll me a investigation with advantage. I got the 16. I got 13. You don't notice any physical traps. You become aware of a locked door on the left-hand side of the room, kind of past the pedestals over here. As for the arcana check, you don't notice any magical traps. You do notice the pedestals emanating a little bit of magical essence from them, but it doesn't appear to be a trap. Okay. Since there's a lock over there, whenever we're ready, I can go ahead and pick that, but I don't know if we want to do that right now. Well, we'll never get anywhere standing around. So I say we go forward and check out these skulls. I do love a good read. I want to read the tablet. Okay, as you approach the tablet, this is what you see written on said tablet in common. It reads, here lie the skulls of a beggar, a wise man, and a king. Each should find rest in the appropriate thing. For each mistake, it is pain you bring. Do the pedestals have anything on them? Yeah. When you are looking at the pedestals, if you're looking from left to right, the pedestal inscribed on the left has a bowl as like an eating bowl, like something you'd eat out of. The middle pedestal has a book and the right pedestal has an inscription of a crown. Okay. So wouldn't it make sense for the beggar to be the bowl and then for the crown to be the king? 
Hmm. And the wise man of the book? You should find rest in the appropriate thing. As you are looking at the pedestals, you don't notice anything in particular about the skulls. All of the skulls look identical on the ground. Hmm. It seems pretty straightforward to me. But the question is, which skull goes where? Perhaps the beggar dies first? Or perhaps the order of placement is what matters here. Hmm. Would it make sense for a beggar to find rest in a bowl? Or would a beggar find rest with the crown so that it is rich? But how do we know which one is the beggar in the first place? Nothing about the skulls are different. They all appear to be bleached bone. They've been around for quite some time. They look old, but there's nothing discriminating them from one another. Is there anything like along like the walls or like on this locked door? There is not. It's just the three pedestals, the skull, and the inscripted tablet. I would like to pick up two skulls and assess if they do feel the same. Okay, what two skulls are you picking up? The left and the middle. As you pick up both of the skulls, they both start speaking at the exact same time, and you cannot tell what they are because they're talking over each other. I put the middle one down. As you put the middle one down, the spoken words that it was saying kind of dissipate, and you hear the remnants of by others coming from the other skull that you're holding up. About five seconds pass, and the skull that you're still holding says, my coins were earned by others. That's got to be keen. I would agree. Let's listen to them all. I put that one down. Just go grab the middle skull. Okay, I grab the middle skull. So the middle skull, as soon as you pick it up, it says, every day I watched fools perform. Hmm. I want to pick up the last one. As you pick up the last one, now keep in mind if the skulls are not getting put down, they are still talking to you as you're holding them every five seconds. They're repeating the exact same thing that they said. So Dusk puts down the middle one, Cal puts down the left one, and then Dawn picks up the right one, and it says, I must ask rather than demand. Hmm, but that sounds like the beggar to me. Yes, I think. Could also be the king. But he demands, the king demands, right? Left has ball, middle has book, right has crown. Yes, that's what I think as well. Perhaps the meaning, though, of each should find rest in the appropriate thing. Which of these would a beggar find rest in? Would he find rest in knowing that coins were earned by others? Or that he had asked rather than... I don't think it is not restful to watch fools perform. Nobody will be at rest if we put someone there. Hmm. I think we should go with the obvious answer. And if it's not right, then we can reevaluate. Yes. The first skull should go in the last pillar. Yes. The middle skull should go in the middle pillar. And the third skull should go in the first pillar. And then we see what happens. Okay. As you place all three skulls on the pedestals, the inscriptions light up and you hear a click. We did it! It clicked. You guys are so smart. You guys are so smart. So now that you've heard the click, what do you guys want to do? I really want to just go through the door. Yeah, I'm going to go to the door and I'm going to like investigate it for the traps. Okay, roll me an investigation check, please. That was a natural 20 and my investigation is a five, so 25. You are 100% confident there are no traps on that door. Is the lock the thing that click? It is. The lock is now hanging loose. You push the door open. You are greeted with the same shimmering black that you saw entering the house in the first place. I, I reach my hand out for Dawn. Let's go! 
Cal runs up in front of them first and then pushes them behind, and then he goes in first. You go through the shimmering black, and this is what you are greeted with in the next room. And you see a chest in front of you. Off to the right side, you see three spectral shapes, a little bit smaller than normal human shapes. Um, You guys do assume that these are children uh, based upon the size of them. They don't make any move towards you. Hey. They don't say anything. Hmm. (sighs) Yana is going to excitedly run up to the first chest up here. Hey, uh, watch watch this, Nelizian. Yana's going to run up and go... Ooh, wait, no, I have to... Yana wants to do, uh, wants to check for booby traps around the chest. So are you checking for physical traps or magic traps? Magic. Okay, Uh, roll me an arcana check, please. Seven. You have no idea if there are traps there. Mm. The strongest arcana you are getting or magic-based remnants in the room are from the spectral beings. Okay. Yana is going to put one hand on the chest gonna look over and then he's gonna say is it okay if i open this he's gonna slowly try to open it you are looking at the spectral beings one of them vanishes because you're looking off to the right at them okay. and one of them reappears right here oh yeah he's gonna walk back up to the chest you've noticed this time around as you walk up to the chest unlike any of the other motions that you had made at this point the spectral being is watching you inten- intently like the being itself is tracking your movements. It's almost like a sensory camera. As you move, it moves with you. Okay. You can tell that it's a mixture of watching your body movements versus your hand movement. Yana is going to reach out and try to touch the spectral thing. Okay. Do you make contact with the spectral being? Do kind of want to see if I feel anything. If I go, if I go through it. If it's slimy. If it's cold. Just kind of like a little... As you touch it, it screams. And then it stops for a second and says, Trick or treat. Uh, what? Zog! Candy! Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the big fuzzy guy, he's got, um... Trick or treat! He's got candy. Trick or treat! He's gonna give you a treat. Don't... No treats. I mean, no tricks. Pull out the bag of taffy. It has moved slightly closer to uh, Yana, and it is now fervently saying trick or treat over and over and over again. We'll give, try give it the piece that I gave you. I ate it. Oh. It was really good. Okay. How many more pieces of taffy do I have? You have five pieces of candy left. I'm going to hold out a piece towards the spectral being. It eats the piece of taffy and vanishes. Oh. I'm going to touch the chest again slowly try to open it and see if the spectral's move. Nothing moves. The chest does creak open. Okay. Does look like you are able to open the chest. Uh, swing it up. You look inside and all you see on the inside is a tiny coin pouch. I'm going to go ahead and grab it. Perfect. You have come in possession of 75 gold. Oh, hot dog. I knew this mission would bring me fame and fortune. Now I just need the fame. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll go to the other two ghosts and offer them each a piece of taffy. Okay. First ghost accepts the piece of taffy and vanishes. The second ghost, assuming you're doing the exact same thing, also accepts the piece of taffy and vanishes. You've done it again, Zog. 
Um, I'm gonna go down to this chest on the right. Does it look identical to the other one? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll open it. Okay. You open the chest up, and it is also a tiny coin pouch inside. You take it, you also find a coin pouch of 75 gold. Elysian, go check the other one. Very well. You touch the third chest, and I need you all to roll initiative. Great. So we have an 18 from Nelesian. Uh, Jan is a 13. And what do we have from Zog? Uh, 16. You reach for the chest, and it shrinks just a little bit. Um, your hand is stuck to the lid of the chest, and teeth form around the mouth of the opening to the chest, and you guys are looking at a tiny mimic. Mm. What the hell is this? It gets to go first. What's your armor class, Nelesian? 18. Um, it does not hit you, but your right hand is still attached to the lid, and it is attempting to move, which it does just a little bit, nothing crazy. It just repositions itself, kind of dragging you just a little bit here. It doesn't hurt you, um, but it is moving, and it has turned to attempt to bite you. Okay. Is the mimic done? Yeah, it's the mimic's turn is done. Yes. So we would move on to Nelesian, and then it would be Zog, and then Yana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use my Blessing of the Raven Queen. Okay. Uh, which we have not gallantly named something different yes. to this world yet, but that allows me to teleport up to 30 feet away. Am I able, when I attempt to do this, am I able to, being stuck to this thing? It's a teleport. So this is what we're going to do. You do teleport. You do take one point of damage from ripping your hand off the mimic, though. You do rip some skin off the palm of your hand. That's fair. Okay. I will have teleported right here, and then I'll attack. What are you attacking with? A longsword. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> That's a dirty 20. Oh, perfect. You, you do hit. A yes. nerdy 20, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> That's good branding. <laughs> you inspired it, Keith. Uh, eight points of damage. Cool. You do eight points of damage. So as you swing in with your sword, you chip a little bit of the wood off the chest, causing a little bit of damage to the mimic. Uh, the mimic at that point is turning to face you, but it has not made it there yet. So you can continue to move away from it after you've hit if you'd like. And he cannot get me because of my feet. So bye. Nice. And no attack of opportunity for moving away from it. I'm just going to move so I can still see it kind of block his movement to the others, but I don't want to be right next to it either. I want him to come to me. Okay. It has turned to face you. It has not moved more than just turning to face you as you teleported away. And we are on to Zog's turn. Going to take a dash. I'm going to use 60 feet of movement to get there. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. And uh, that'll be it. Now we're on to Yana's turn. What do we got going on, Yana? Okay. Uh, Yana will start to reach for his longsword, and then he'll think to himself, Don't you dare use the sword! Use what I've given you! And then Yana will kind of look kind of confused, reach out his hand, and I will first use a bonus action to hex the mimic in front of me, allowing me to do a 1d6 of necrotic damage anytime I deal damage to it. And as my hand's extended, I will attempt an Eldritch Blast on the mimic and does a 25 hit. It does. Okay. So then the mimic will take four damage. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so you did four damage. 
as you Eldritch Blast, the Mimic, a couple more splinters do come off the chest. Is that the end of your turn? That ends my turn. It's fucking embarrassing as shit. It wouldn't be Yana, though, if we're, it... We're level one, Corbin. It's okay. Yeah, no, four damage <laughs> at level one is fine. The Mimic is going to go ahead and move towards Zog here, uh, moving 10 feet, and then he is going to walk up and attempt to bite Zog. Uh, does a 14 hit? It does not. As Zog ran up, the Mimic saw an opportunity to uh, run up and take a chomp out of Zog there. Whiffed, caught air, and we are back to the top of the round, and we are on to Nelesian's turn. All right, let's see. I'm going to get behind it. Cool. My epic 40 feet of movement. And I will attack it. What would you like to do, Dungeon Master, for flanking? Roll twice. Advantage, yeah. Go ahead and just give me advantage on this one. Okay. You got it. I'm glad for that advantage because my first roll was a 13. That's a 23 to hit. That does hit. I'm going to do some damage. Oh, yeah. Seven points. And that will do it for moi. So yeah, you take a hack at it. More splinters come off the left hinge. Uh, his looks like it's taken a little bit of uh, damage there. It's coming a little bit unhinged. And now we are on to Zog's turn. Uh, Zog is gonna pull out a short sword, take a swing. Perfect. 22. Yep, that hits. He's also got a uh, favorite foe, which adds a D6, I believe. Who is Mimic, your favorite favorite foe? Uh, no, um, this is different from favorite enemy. Oh. Um, I can just, I can mark a, a creature just kind of like the Hexblade Curse. Gotcha. One extra damage, so that'll lose eight, eight slashing damage. Perfect. So as you slash in, kind of heading towards the same hinge that looked like it was coming undone, you do de-hinge over here. It is looking pretty wounded at the moment, but it's still upright. We are on to, unless you had anything else to do, that would be Yana's turn. Uh, I think I'll actually uh, move away. So it might trigger an attack of opportunity. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee you this doesn't hit, but does a 14 hit? Yes. Yeah, we'll hop skip and then fire an Eldritch Blast at it as he's getting kind of excited at this new thing that he's not used to. Does a 14 hit? It does. Aha! 11 points of damage. So as you hit the Mimic with that, you have noticed that the right hinge has started to come a little bit unhinged at the moment. So the Mimic is kind of flailing a little bit, looking like it's getting a little bit panicked. That will end my turn. It is going to turn and it is going to attempt to bite Nelesian here. Does a 22 hit Nelesian? It does. You take five points of piercing damage. Oof. It spins around, a little bit unhinged as it is. It does take a chomp at you, makes contact with your arm. Uh, you feel the teeth of the Mimic sink in just a little bit, and you do take, like I said, five points of damage there. Uh, and we are back to the top of the round with Nelesian now. All right. I will just continue to swing away and hack at this thing. Uh, 19. Uh, that does hit. Eight points of damage. Okay, I will ask you this, similar to our last campaign we did. How would you like to kill it? All right. <laughs> God damn it. So after it bites my arm, I will rip it free. 
and then bring my sword down on top of the mimic's head, exploding it into splinters. Perfect. As the mimic chomped you, Nelisian brings the sword down on top of the lid of the mimic's chest. It splinters in half, sending shards in all sorts of direction. Nothing dangerous. The mimic does fall dead, and with it drops a tiny coin purse. <laughs> How much is in there? I lift it up and toss it up and down. About 75 gold. Funny enough, you actually got 50 gold. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Actually, that sounds like 50 to me. Put it in my pocket. <laughs> we can no longer split it three ways. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. As soon as you pick up the third coin purse, you guys are teleported to an additional room here. You enter in, you see a chest in front of you. You see three spectral beings off to your right standing in a line. Nothing happens when you walk in. Are those spectral beings doing anything? They're just standing there. Do they talk? Hello? They don't say anything when you... Hello, little ghosties. <laughs> they don't say anything when you're talking to them. They're just kind of standing there. I wave my hand through one. Okay. You wave your hand through one. You feel a little bit of a chill when your hand passes through it, but they still don't say anything to you. Are they all identical? They are. They all appear to be smaller in stature. I am going to go and investigate this chest. It looks like any other adventuring chest you've seen. Uh, it is locked. You don't know much more than that. Are you wanting to check for traps or are you just kind of looking at the appearance? If there's no traps, I want to try to lockpick it. Go ahead and yeah, roll me an investigation. Mr. Wizard, can you sense any magic? I want to sense magic. That was a 10. Okay, so you don't believe there are traps. Uh, you don't know for sure, but based on your investigation, you're kind of hesitant if there's a trap, but you're not quite sure. Hey, Dawn. Yes? There is a chest over here, and I don't know if it's trapped. I'm like 50-50% sure that it's not, but it's locked. Do you think I should open it? Well, I don't think that we'll get anywhere if we don't open anything. Okay, so I'm going to open it. Just stay over there, like far away from me. Wait, 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 wait. But I want to be close to you in case you need me. Okay, well, just stand like, stand like right here or something. Just in case the thing pops out. Okay. Wait, why are you going to open that? Because we need to do something. Well, or else we're just going to be lost in here. We're stuck in here. Surely there must be some clue. What is this thing off to the top right corner? Uh, so that's a lantern hanging on the wall. <gasps> a lantern? I would like to go to the lantern. Can I take the lantern off the wall or anything? comes off the wall. Can I take the lantern over to the spectral being? You can. I want to hold the lantern up to the middle spectral being. Okay. While this is going on, Dusk, has your character touched the chest yet? Not yet, no. Because Dawn is listening to Cal, so that means Dusk is listening to Cal right now. She's not very happy about it, but she is. As you hold the lantern up, the light emanates through the specters. They still do nothing. They just are standing there looking at you. They didn't watch you walk to get the lantern, but it's kind of, they're reminiscent of those paintings that you feel like are always looking at you when you're walking by them, but they're not actually looking at you when you walk out of their field of vision. Their eyes are just tracking you as they're in front of you. Wait, was it the same way when we didn't have the flame? Uh, no, their eyes are now kind of focused on the flame just a little bit. 
I think you should walk in the opposite direction of maybe where we're opening the chest. I don't know. I'm going to watch them as I walk up towards this chest with the lantern. What are we doing at the chest? I'm just holding the lantern to the chest and looking at the ghost. I say, good, bad? They don't do anything. (laughs) Hmm. Well, we got to do something. I take it over to where Dusk is. I watch the ghost eyes since I'm still in the view of them. Do you see them? They're kind of beelining vision to where they assume the lantern is around the corner, but they have not moved. Their eyes are still watching, though. They're still watching you, by the way. Hmm. What what happens if you go over there, Cal? Last chest, same thing. I see their eyes. You see their eyes. It's weird. You know that they're still attempting to view the lantern, but their heads aren't moving. So you know that they're aware of where the lantern went to, but their actual physical spectral being, if you want to call it physical, has not turned to face them. Hmm. They're still kind of, uh, I think, focused on you, but their eyes are kind of doing some weird stuff right now. And I'm going to say this, and I'm not saying this to try to scare you out of doing this. I do need to know when one of you touches a chest. Okay, what should we do? Should I just like pick this lock and then just see what happens? No, clearly people are making mistakes in this home. Do they have locks on them? They do have locks on them, yes. Maybe I hold the lantern and I touch this chest. Okay. Soon as you touch that chest, the specter next to you pops up and shouts, Trick or treat. I give him a piece of candy. Here you go. He chuckles and disappears and the lock on the chest vanishes. (gasps) I open it. You pop the chest open and inside is a tiny money pouch containing 75 gold. Ooh, that is a lot of money for so much food. Yeah, we could probably like buy the turkey stand if we really wanted to. We should do that after this. Yeah, we should. Okay, should we just like kind of do that with all the other chests? I will hold on to the money back. Just assuming that they're girls that aren't good with money. No, I can hold on to the money back. No problem. I just don't have the um, intuition that you're that great with money after wanting to buy so many drumsticks. Oh, so you're telling us that we can't eat? What if we're hungry? You want us to starve? That's not what I said, dear. Well, we were just hungry. We were very young. We're like growing girls, so we need a lot of food. Oh, I say we can figure this after the spooky house. So you said it was 75 gold? 75 gold, yes. Why don't we just split it? So I get 25, Don will get 25. All right, I portion out the gold. So you guys each have 25 more gold than what you had when you started this. I really like money. I love money. All right, what do we want to do now? I hand the lantern to Dawn. Would you be sweetie and take this and go touch that other chest there for me? I will touch the chest. Okay. You touch the chest and immediately this ghost pops up in front of you and shouts, Trick or treat. Give him a treat, Dusk. I hand him a piece of candy. It chuckles and runs away and the lock pops off. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. Are you opening the chest? Yeah. You open the chest and you find another small money bag in there of 75 gold. We will split it again, yes? Yes. Oh my gosh, we're going to be so rich. Let's go open the other one. This time, Dusk has the torch. You do have the the taffy ready? So you can give him a piece of taffy? Yes, I take one of the taffy from you. (laughs) I have a turn. Oh, well, I think think you have a bag too, and I, I just took a handful, so. So as you touch the chest, the third specter pops up, says the same thing. Trick or treat. It also chuckles 
vanishes and you guys are left with the last lock unlocking and you look inside and there is another money pouch of 75 gold. <gasps> What's it again? We're rich. Um, as you unlock that last chest, the room kind of starts to shimmer into darkness. And you are all face to face, virtually the exact same layout with one difference, but you are looking at a chest directly in front of you, three spectral beings off to the right. What would you guys like to do? Hmm. That's weird. I feel like we've done this before. What's going on? We did something wrong. What could we have done wrong? I don't know. We gave the creepy things candy. We took the money. You got bit. I saved your life. And Zog is the, the puzzle champion. What's going on? Do we do we still have the gold? Yeah, you guys all have the gold stone. Uh, let's just try to do the same. Wait a minute. Do we notice this new thing over here? Uh... Have you guys looked around the room? You know what, Dungeon Daddy? Oh, you need to take that smug attitude. <laughs> Here's my perception check, you jerk. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Give me the perception check. <laughs> I'm looking at the room because something seems not quite the same, and I rolled an 18. Okay. What did What did you guys roll? I mean, is it? Can we just see it if it's in the room? <laughs> mm. I got a nerdy 20. I know that sounds like a loaded question to just say, can you see it? Um, roll and you'll find out, Zog. I did roll. I don't want to say what it is. <laughs> so all of you guys, assuming you're doing a quick scan of the room, you do see the spectral beings. You see the chest in front of you. You guys all notice a glowing beyond the spectral beings. You cannot tell what it is. The spectral beings are obscuring your vision on all three of you. The spectral beings are thick enough that you can't see directly through them, but you're catching the light being emanated through them, which is different than the other room that you were in. So we see it, but we don't know what it is. Zog, look over here. There's something. I walk over there, if I can. Okay, how did you walk over there? Just like I just did. I'll do it again. Watch. Boop. He started Boop. with his Boop. left foot. Boop. And then his right. I admit that I wanted to make sure you had not walked through the spectral beings. No, I walked around. I'm polite. <laughs> polite. You walk over there and you see a lantern sitting on the ground. A lantern. We wouldn't know Nelisian's polite because he's a jerk. He doesn't talk to his friends. We are not friends. Zog's my friend. Zog, there's a lantern over here. Uh, okay. I pick up the lantern. Initiative. Perfect. You, <laughs> you pick up the lantern. Anything special about this lantern? It looks like a lantern. I'm going to raise it up and kind of point it towards the spectral people. Do they look any different? Uh, they do not look any different. I'm going to carry it over to this chest and shine it around. Notice anything? You do not <laughs> notice anything different. Nope. So you're holding the lantern, you're looking around, nothing. Nothing strikes you as different currently. Do, do you kids want candy? They don't say anything. I'm gonna, um, I guess I'll pull out the bag of taffy, offer it to, offer a piece to the closest one. The first one takes the piece of candy and vanishes. Okay, I, I only have one left. Um, Yana is gonna walk behind the corner, and Yana is gonna, knowing that we need a piece of candy, is gonna try to vomit. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> wait, wait. What? It might take something else. As you're behind the corner, <laughs> trying to vomit in secret. Nelisian will say, I wonder if they like pickles. 
there's a good chance that I could get it up. Jesse, go ahead and pull out the Dungeon Master's Guide and look up the uh, rules for vomiting, please. <laughs> so I'm going to metagame here and go back and say that I'm pretty positive I heard you say that you took the piece of candy and started eating it. You can attempt to throw it up. It will not resemble the piece of taffy you ate, though. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. Make him roll a con save to see okay. if he choked on it, and then make him roll con check to, to try to throw it up. You get to set the DCs, whatever you want. <laughs> okay, we'll just humor you, me, or humor you here. Give me... <laughs> no, you don't have to. You made a ruling already. I was just kidding. I, I'm making the ruling on this one. The way that you described having taken the piece of taffy was not swallowing the piece of taffy. Therefore, I'm not letting you metagame and go back and do this. Um, I will uh, offer the ghost in the middle my last piece of taffy. Perfect. It does vanish. I'm going to take the pickle out and break it in half and then uh, offer it to the last ghost. When you offer the pickle to the ghost, it lets out a blood-skirtling creature and vanishes. It takes the half of the pickle you gave it and it is gone. Do you want the other half? I'm just going to around. <laughs> I have a fish carcass too, if you don't like pickles. You don't hear anything. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, you don't hear anything. You just hear a reverberating shriek that happened when you handed it a pickle. All right, get ready. Get ready, guys. And you also hear a little bit of dry heaving around the corner. <laughs> you cannot figure out where this is coming from, but there is a little bit of dry heaving going on at the moment. <laughs> what is that? All right. Before we before we go to open these chests, I'd like to point out that um, my character cannot be surprised. I noticed that the uh, mimic went first, and then he was going last at the, during the last fight. So from here forward, I have the alert feet, so I cannot be surprised. Cool. And I will always be behind Zog. You have you have Yana vomiting in the corner. Mm -hmm. um, you have you have Zog that was handing out a piece of the candy and now pickle, and then you have Nelesian standing by chest in the center with the lantern. Mm -hmm. I would like to continue walking around the room with the lantern to see if anything new is illuminated. As you are going through the room, you see nothing out of the ordinary, just the rugs, the chest, and a pile of vomit next to Yana. Mm. This lantern seems to have revealed some sort of slime. <laughs> yeah, it was here. <coughs> it was here when I uh, turned the corner. It's pretty gross, gotta say. Okay, let me ask. Are you trying to lie? I, give me a, de a deception check there, Yana. I would love to. I have a plus seven deception. <laughs> Perfect. But I still only rolled a 10. Okay, roll me an insight check there, uh, Elysian. You got it. 18. You know he is flat out lying to you. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Do with that what you will. You know that the slime was in fact not there when Yana went around the corner. Yes, I knew all along. <laughs> I walk back to the middle chest and go to open it with my hour lantern in hand. Uh, you reach for the chest and you open it up and inside is a equivalent of what you would call a face veil. The veil is what you know as a player, not a character. You do know that this is 
known as the Veil of Mockingbird. While this item is equipped, you can perfectly mimic the voice of any character you've heard within the last 24 hours. Hmm. Like the creepy pickle shriek? Uh, that's up to you to know. I mean, you did hear that voice within the last 24 hours. Oh, it's an item this time. Come take a look. Who are you saying that to? Just, I'm still looking at the item, so whoever wants to listen. Oh. It's hard to know, since we're not friends, you could be talking to the specters, you could be talking to maybe another mimic. I turn and toss the veil to Yana. Oh! I was talking to you. We are friends. This looks like it would match your outfit. I would love this gift of affection and best friendship. Thank you. <laughs> so now where are we going from here? Uh, I want to test I want to test it out and say trick or treat as a specter. You don't know what it is. Oh, I don't know what it is? Nope. That's player knowledge first, character knowledge. Uh, he did throw you a veil. You do not have any idea what that veil does currently. As I open uh, this chest here, I'm going to yell around the corner, see if it's magic. I, I want so I'll inspect it. Yes, okay. Roll me an Arcana check. <laughs> I rolled an 18. You do realize that it has magical properties. They do not seem harmful to you. You're not quite sure uh, what it is that it does, but you do know that it has magical properties about it if you wore it. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll wear it. Cool. You put it on your head, and it kind of like encompasses almost like a turtleneck, kind of like up to uh, just below your ears on either side as you put it on. The front plate of the veil is a button, so you can actually take the front veil off and cup it in there to completely cover your mouth and nose around the turtleneck feature, or you can leave it open, almost like, like a medieval mask that could open and close. Uh, you can kind of do that with the veil. Okay. So the screen of the veil can be placed in front of you, or it can be removed and kind of hang limply to the side. Okay. I'm going to button it up. Yana's going to think to himself, Why are you playing dress up? Go open the chest. Yana's going to say, I really appreciate it, Zog. This is very interesting. It's got some sort of magical property. So as you speak, you sound like Nelesian. Thanks for the, for the tip, Zog. Got a, <laughs> it does have magical properties, actually. That's weird. You sound just like me. Why do I sound like you? I don't know. Uh, can I try to consciously change? Yeah, you can attempt to change your voice. I assume you're meaning your voice, right? Not your clothes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just had to check. Yana's going to say, what? What is going on? Um, let me try. <clears throat> Zog, can you hear me? You sound just like Zog. Don't do that. Did I surprise you? I'm going to um, stop mid-opening the chest and walk over to uh, Yana. And uh, okay. you've never seen this expression on his face. He looks like dead serious. He's just like, don't do that. I'm sorry. Also, be careful. There's slime on the ground over here. Zog, he is talking just like you after you told him not to do that. Did the slime attack you? You kind of smelled like the slime. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, it did. It, um came out of nowhere. Uh, just be careful, okay? Okay. Go, I'll go back to the, uh, the chest on the right and open it. You open it up and you see a container in there about the size of a music box. Player knowledge here, not character knowledge. The container is empty. This container is known as the container of mocking. This container will make an exact replica of anything the user places in the container. The object 
it creates does not keep its magical properties. The items that it is create are not as valuable as the original. It just produces a replica prop of said object. Sure, I'm just gonna shout out. It's a little box. Yeah, music box might be a little bit too small. Uh, picture something the size of like what you put your three D and D books into if you have one of the collector sets, like something roughly about the size of like a traditional board game box, something kind of like that. Okay. It's about the size of the container you have. I just don't want the tiny music box to hinder you from putting something a little bit bigger in there, but it's about the size of roughly like an average game box. Okay. While all this has happened, Nelesian has made his way over to the last chest, takes a deep breath, reaches out and tries to open it. And he is still carrying the lantern. Uh, you do open the last chest. As you are waving the lantern above it, you do notice that part of the object is vanishing in and out, that you realize you would not have been able to see said object in this chest if you had not had the lantern. You have something in the bottom of the chest. Um, it is known as the earring of pickpocket. While the earring is being worn, the user will know the amount of currency being carried by any creature that you see within 10 feet of you. Hmm. Visually, what it looks like is, for lack of a better term, it is a railroad spike style icon that's roughly probably about the size of like a sewing pin, give or take, a little bit thicker, but it doesn't look like a traditional earring. It looks like something you'd have to like shove through your ear to actually be able to use it. Almost like an iron spike, one would say. But I would have no idea what this is. You would have no idea what it was. So I just pick it up. Yep. And I'll turn to Yana and say, any idea what this is? I have no idea what that is. All right. <laughs> Give me, both of you guys give me a history check, actually. Oh, nice. 17. Cool. And actually, Yana, I take it back. Give me a, a history check with disadvantage, actually. Okay. Oh, that one. You answered the exact way you just did. You have no fucking clue what that thing is. <laughs> you, you look at it and you're like, I have never seen this before in my life. You, Nelesian. Mm-hmm believe you have seen this before uh, as a piece of body jewelry, but you don't know where. You have an inkling that you have seen this adorning some people in mm -hmm. the realm at some point or another. You don't know if it's a necklace, earring, whatever. You just know that it was used as body jewelry at some point, like adorning a body of some sort as like a decorative piece. I have been alive for a long time, so this does look familiar. You're right. It's all coming back to me. My ears are pierced, so I will just... Nah, that's too metagamey. I'll just put it away. I'll always give you player knowledge as to what a magical item is that you guys pick up so you know what you have in your possession. You will, as a character, not know. I can give you tidbits, but you guys, it's on you guys to d establish whether your characters would start picking stuff up and doing our arcana checks. I'm not just going to give that to you. So just moving forward, be aware that if you guys have questions like that, I won't give them to you. You guys have to actually play it out in character. And I would be okay with um, if you having us finding stuff, and if we don't, if our players don't know what it is, you don't tell us what it is, then give us, give us a little mystery. I'd be okay with that, too. Okay, cool. 
yeah, then we will we'll play that all out from here on out. So anytime you guys pick something up, just assume you need to ask all of the questions that you normally would as if you were picking an object up. If you want to know if it's magical, if you want to know if you recognize it, anything like that, just make sure your characters are asking or bring it up as if it's characters wondering and you and I can have a discussion about it on the side. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I think it'll be easier for me to naturally do that if I didn't know. Yeah, I just got a box. Oh. Um, since we're on the subject, I'm not proficient in Arcana, but can I see if I think it's magical? Or ask yeah. Yana if he can look at it. So yes, you just don't get your proficiency bonus, so you can always roll. Okay, so as I'm thinking about it, and before I put it away, I'm just going to kind of look at it and see if I think it's magical. Cool. Give me an Arcana check then. Oh, that's a natural 20. <laughs> oh. It is definitely radiating significant magical properties about it. Again, you associate this to a feeling you've had in the past where you were close to somebody that was wearing body jewelry. You just can't pinpoint exactly what it does, but you do know you've felt this before and it's just re-solidified the distance that you were at to feel this from the person you were talking to. You would have needed to, they, it would have been body jewelry that would have been putting off this essence, but you just still don't exactly Exactly know what it is. I think I would still just hang on to it, so I wouldn't try it without probably asking somebody. You guys both got fancy stuff. I just got a box. Uh, well, speaking of your box, Zog, um, the pickle I have is kind of getting uh something that's sentimental to me, uh, a little wet. Can I, for right now, put this lock of hair in that box just till we get out of here? Oh, that's a good idea. We'll just put our valuables in it. Just my hair. I mean, my lock of hair. Yeah, I'll hold out the box so we can put that hair in it. Thanks. I'll give him my uh, my lock of Rolo's hair. Okay, perfect. You put the lock of Rolo's hair in the box. I'm guessing you close the box. Uh, before I close it, I'm going to throw my gold in there. Perfect. You throw your gold in there, you throw the lock of hair in there, and you close the box. As you guys are having that earnest interaction there, the room kind of starts to vanish a little bit. And you are teleported to... I swear if it's the same fucking room, Yana's gonna lose his mind. Oh, we're out of candy. <laughs> I have a pickle. And you guys find yourself in an identical room with three more chests. Something you guys did not note while you guys stole the candy is the bag of candy had three pieces of taffy in it. Michelle's handful of candy had three pieces, and now you are down to one. These you guys each ate one piece, and now you have one piece of candy left between the two of you with three spectral beings in the room and three chests. We should have got more candy. Can we split one piece and three? It's up to you guys to decide if you want to attempt that. Hmm. Mr. Wizard, could you make a mirage or like some kind of illusion? I could, but these are spectral beings. Do you think they'll fall for it? I don't know. <gasps> or we could give them a trick. Hand me the lantern. I'll try. I take the lantern and I slowly walk over to the chest and touch it. Okay. This spectral being pops up and shouts, Trick or treat. I hold out my hand and cast minor illusion to make a small butterfly that flutters in the air. It watches the butterfly dissipate and it screams. It is angry at you. 
I'm going to come over and try to give him a, a silver. You extend the silver to him. It drops through the spectral hand, this outreach asking trick or treat, and it screams. And it vanishes. The lock did not open. The lock did not open this time. No, 75 gold. Well, we do have three more candies left, so who wants to try another trick? I wonder if I could just try picking the lock. I think maybe we should try it. Okay, I'm gonna... What if you die? It's not technically touching the chest either. I mean, maybe we could get around it. But why would it ask trick or treat if trick was not an option? What if it wasn't the right trick? Maybe it needs a better trick. Maybe I make trick taffy. But then if it vanishes, maybe the other locks won't open. First we tried trick, and then we gave it a treat of gold in which it did not like, so perhaps we had two tries. Mm, Maybe we try again? So the chest has been touched by you, right? Yes. Have you attempted to remove your hand from said chest? Yes. And your hand is stuck to the lid of the chest, and I need you all to roll initiative. (gasps) Oh, no. 11. 14. 21. Perfect. So all of you guys are going first, but as Cal's hand is making contact with the chest, teeth form around the lid of the chest, and he is stuck to a mimic. Are you okay? So oh, I'll be fine, sweetie. So it's a tinier mimic than maybe what you guys are used to hearing about, but it is a mimic with teeth in the mouth of the chest. Top of the round to you, Michelle. The mimic is attempting to bite Cal right now. Its hand is stuck to the lid, but it is attempting to kind of turn and chomp Cal at the moment. I'm going to come up and I'm going to draw my rapier. And since I am standing next to an ally, it means that it is distracted. So I am going to take my rapier and pierce it in the tongue. What did you roll? 13. That does hit. That means I get sneak attack damage. That is eight points of damage. All right, so as it's standing there attempting to take a bite out of Cal, you reach in with your rapier and stab it through the tongue. It kind of flails a little bit as it's attempting to make contact with Cal and kind of shifts its attention to you a little bit, but the strike does hit home and you've dealt eight points of damage. So then we are on to Cal's turn. I have a bonus action. Oh, cool. I'm gonna bonus action disengage and I'm just going to back the fuck up. Nice, so then we are on to Calster. So one hand's on the mimic and the other hand's holding the lantern? Correct. Can I drop the lantern and attack in the same turn? I will let you go ahead and do that. Okay. I cast Firebolt, drop the lantern, a 15 to hit. That does hit. A 7. As you drop the lantern, the glass plate on the lantern cracks just a little bit. A little bit of oil has started leaking out of the crack in the lantern, but your fireball does make contact with the mimic and does spray a bit of wooden chest shards from the lantern and you do seven points of damage to it. So a couple of splinters have come off. Still looks like it's kind of hanging in there, but you can tell that the two attacks you've done have done a little bit of damage to it, so. Done, finish it. Oh my God, are you okay? Okay, I, I, I will cast a word of radiance and I target the chest. Okay. And it must make a constitution saving throw. It rolled a 14. It is not enough. Perfect. Tell me what happens to this mimic. Oh, I met the word of radiance and then the room lights up. Okay. And it does seven points of damage. Nice. 
Some more splinters fly off the Mimic. It is still attempting to chomp Cal. Uh, you guys have wounded it quite a bit, but it is still going strong. Are we doing anything else? Or are you done with your turn? Think that I am done with my turn? Um, it turns to Cal, hands still attached to it, and it attempts to take a bite out of you, and it rolled a 14 to hit. What's your AC? 11. So it does hit you. But I want to cast shield. I'm too squishy. Okay, what does shield do for you? It is a reaction spell. Visible barrier of magical force appears to protect you until the start of your next turn. You have plus five bonus to armor class. So then that is a 16 armor class. So then it does not hit you. Because of that, it pushed you over the brink, does not make contact with you. It does take a chomp at you, missing barely as you move your free hand away from it, but it is still focused on you because your hand is still on the chest. Uh, so just so you know what your hand on the chest means is it means that technically you are grappled, which means it's attacking with advantage, but still missed. But while you are stuck to it, it is attacking with advantage because you're grappling with it. Damn. But we are at top of the round. Back to Michelle now. Okay, I am going to run back over to the broken lantern and clean it up. Okay, perfect. You pick the lantern up, you stop the oil leaking. The flame is still going strong, but there is still a crack in the faceplate of the lantern. Okay, does that have to be my turn or can I attack? I'll count that as your bonus action. We'll let you pick up the lantern with your bonus action so you can still take your action. Okay, well then in that case, I'll attack first and then clean up the lantern, that's okay. Cool, totally fine. I'm going to attack again with my rapier. That is an eight. That does not hit. Um, so you stab with the rapier. Uh, it does not make contact with flesh like you were hoping, kind of glances off some of the metal pieces of the mimic. So we are back to Alex now, or Cal. Cal's freaking out a bit and he's struggling the pole. You can start to see his jacked neck veins start popping out as he tries to pull from the mimic but cannot. And then he casts another firebolt at the mimic. It is 23 to hit. That does hit. It is four damage. Your fireball hits the mimic, uh, singeing a little bit of the left hinge. As it attempts to keep biting you, you can tell that the left side of its quote unquote jaw has come dislodged a little bit, but it is still attempting to bite you, but it is looking severely wounded at this point. Don't worry, Cal, I'm going to save you. And I cast Sacred Flame. Perfect. And a dex saving throw. You said a dex saving throw? Yeah. Oh, that's really low. That's an eight. Oh yeah, no, I got that. And that is a 13. 13 points of damage? Mm -hmm. Perfect. As you hit it, uh, its right hinge does come dislodged as well. You can kind of sense that this thing is barely hanging on. It is going to, at that point, let go of Cal, kind of dislodge the grapple there, and attempt to take a chomp at Dawn <gasps> from where it's at. So we're going to attempt to bite with a 13. Miss. Miss, okay. It takes a chomp, and you can tell that the dislodging of both hinges has kind of caused it to be a little, it swings and misses just a bit on the chomp, just slightly missing you, but now nobody has grappled to it, uh, and we are back to the top of the round with Dusk. So I see it go after my sister, and I am just going to scream and like try to like hack it even more. Okay. And I'm like, don't touch my sister. Ooh, that was good. 20. Perfect, that hits. 
God damn it. That is uh, four damage. All right. So you do, in fact, make contact. You're chopping at it, and you've split the lid of the mimic. It is not quite dead, but you feel like it is about as close to death as possible. But we have now moved on to Calister. One more firebolt. 19 to hit. Hey, that hits. Five damage. So as your last fireball hits this creature, the lid of the chest explodes. It explodes into a bunch of splinters, falls to the wayside, and inside you see nothing in the bottom of the chest. No. This sucks. There wasn't even any money. (sighs) Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you hurt at all? I can heal you. No, I just, uh, God, I haven't seen action like that in a long time. Is your heart okay? Are you having a heart attack? How old are you? Oh, it's no heart attack. It's just adrenaline. Oh. I just, um... Do you feel alive? Are you having a good time? I do. Is this, like, the best, like, night you've had in a very long time? It depends on if we can help these children get back to their families. Oh, I forgot we were in this for the kids. We've already made, like, so much money, you know? I know. I'm so excited. What if we can buy, like, shiny things? I was thinking the exact same thing. So the bottom of the chest is there in front of you. What hand are you holding the lantern in currently, Dusk? I'm going to be right-handed, so I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to wield my rapier with my right hand, so the lantern is in my left. Okay, so as you're holding the lantern near the mimic, I need all of you guys to roll me a perception check real quick. 15. 18. 15. As you guys are holding it near it, you catch the glimpse of something shiny and heart-shaped at the bottom when the light of the lantern hovers over the chest. <gasps> I want to grab it. I want to grab it. (laughs) Okay, so you're grabbing it? Yeah. Okay, the item that you are holding, Dawn, is an item in the shape of a heart. It looks like a locket attached to a silver chain, and the item is called the Heart of Self-Sacrifice. Okay. I want to look at it and admire how shiny it is, and then I want to hold it out to Mr. Wizard. Do you know what this is? Hmm. So you can roll an arcana check on it. So identify as a level one divination ritual. You could potentially know this. If identify is something you would like to know, I can tell you exactly what this said item is based upon what identify allows me to tell you. If you don't think this is a spell your character would know, I can let you know based on an arcana check what I can give you. Yeah, I don't have the spell right now, so I'll just do an arcana check. 22. It is emanating strong magical properties. Again, you're getting the sense from it. It is not evil magic. You are just not exactly sure what it does. Outside of, you assume that there is a trade-off involved with the item. You don't know what that means, but you do believe that to make the item work, there is a price to be paid. Mm. I don't know if I want to put it on. At least we know it's not evil magic, but it is emanating with great love, just like you, Princess. Why don't you go ahead and hold on to this for now? Okay. Thank you, Mr. Wizard. Do you think we should just, like, get rid of our last piece of candy for this one, or should we should we hang on to it? Hmm. What should we do? 
We could try splitting it in half and then just see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then just give them the other half and then just like fight whatever we need to fight on the last one. Yeah, I think that might work. We haven't tried opening a chest without the lantern yet. I have a bad feeling about that. Yeah, I don't really think that is a good idea. Mm. Do we have any other tricks? I don't think so. I mean, I could always try to make an illusion taffy, but spirit might not take too kind of that. But we might as well try, you know? We we can only open one of the chests anyways. We could try, though I am fearful. <laughs> Maybe I can do it because I'm actually pretty strong. I think I'm stronger than you, actually. I think she is stronger than you. I wouldn't want you girls in any danger. I'm, I'm not sure. We've gone too far already. Give me the torch. I'm going to try to rip the taffy in half. Okay. So you touch the chest, it pops up, says, As you put the half piece in it, it's holding out his hand. It kind of looks at you, looks at the other specter, and the specter gives it a slight nod. The other one giggles and it vanishes and the chest pops open. What the heck? (laughs) Okay. I look in the chest. Maybe we should also split that other half in half again. What if there's more specters? Then I don't know, but I don't really think it's going to work because did we see him look at the other specter and the other specter nod? You did. Okay, so he, he knows, he knows. Okay, as you open the chest, you shine the light of the lantern inside the chest and you see another heart-shaped object at the bottom of this chest. I found another one. I grab it. You also find yourself holding a heart of self-sacrifice. I think this means that now Cal will also get the heart. Me too. Okay, let's go over to the other chest. You walk over to the other chest. I went to wave at the ghost as I pass. It doesn't do anything as you pass other than follow the lantern. And then I touch the chest while I'm holding the lantern. It pops up in front of you and it screams immediately. And then it stops, laughs, and says, Trick or treat. Oh, that was a funny trick. I give the other half. It takes the candy and vanishes, and the lock pops open. Cal, come over here and get your your little heart. I will open it, though. Yes, I'll take one. You open the chest, and you find a heart-shaped item in there, and your heart is known as the Heart of Redemption. You have a different heart. Hmm. Consider these our friendship charms. That is so cute. As you guys reach into that third chest, removing the last heart, you see the room spin in a dark haze one last time, and you guys appear in this room here. You are greeted with a room of four chests and one specter. All the chests look identical. The specter looks identical to the ones that you've seen, but it is standing there, and this is what you see. Well, now this is very confusing. Don't have any candy. I think this is the time for the illusion candy. We still we still have the lantern? Yes, still have the lantern. I think Don has it. Maybe it is time for illusion candy. I will be the one to open the chest, but you show him the candy, okay? Deal. Let's do it. Wait. First, is there anything else in the room? You can check to see if there's just anything that looks peculiar about the room, any sort of patterns on the walls or on the floors or any other equipment around. Perception check, uh, five. Pretty much everything looks identical to what you're used to seeing in the other rooms, just the shape of the room is different. Mm. Oh, Don, I have an idea. So if the illusion candy doesn't work, maybe you can perform. That's our backup option. Maybe performance first. I feel like if we drop something pretending in its hand, it might scream again, like it did with the coin. That's true. 
Maybe somebody else should hold the torch so I can play my liar. I'll hold the torch. So you have the lantern, you're standing next to Dawn. Has anybody touched the chest yet? Not yet. Uh, do you, should I open, should I open it? Yes. I'm going to touch the chest. Okay. The lock pops open. I'm going to open the chest. You open the chest and see a pile of cloth laying in the middle of the chest. Is it magical? I'm going to make an arcana check. That's a six. That's a six. You don't pick up any magic remnants on this thing. Now, one thing, as you are looking at it, you notice it's not just a pile of cloth. It's an actual article of clothing. You just can't make out what it is, and you have no idea if it has magical properties about it. But you have identified it actually has a, a purpose to it. Oh, it's fine. I pick it up. You find yourself holding the Cloak of Communication. It's a cloak. Can I do an arcana check on it? You can. 24. You believe you have seen this before. You don't know exactly where, but you do believe that this allows the user to communicate over a certain amount of distance with somebody else. You're not exactly sure why you know that, but you do believe that this is something that allows you to communicate at a distance with somebody else. I tell it to my friends. We could talk to Bunny. Oh my gosh, could we talk to Bunny? I'm going to put the cloak on. You put the cloak on and- Can your pet Bunny help us solve this riddle? Silly Mr. Wizard, Bunny is not our pet. Bunny is your bunny companion? Mr. Wizard, sometimes you see the funniest things. Bunny is our mother. Ah, that is, um, that is a very unique name for your mom. I'm confused, is your mother a fucking little animal or is she your mother? Or is your father? Oh, Bunny is like a big, big woman. She has bigger muscles than you. Oh. She also has a scar on her face. It's very beautiful. Did you know in orc-like culture, scars are considered very beautiful? Oh, that's so sweet. That consider me a beauty. Are you crying? Are you okay? I humor myself sometimes. So you reach out and you do hear your mother's voice on the other end. Nobody else hears this. Mama, Bunny, can you hear me? Y yes, uh, Dusk, is that you? Yeah, oh my goodness, how are you? Uh, good, how are you talking to me? I don't know. I'm in this room and Dawn's here. And then we met this guy and his name is Cal and he is a human. No, yes, human. And he has a scar across his face. And we think that you would find it very beautiful. And we're just having a really good time at this festival. Do you want anything? We can bring you back some treats. I want you to make smart choices. If you're meeting random strangers, I don't know how smart that is. He's a very nice man. Yeah, I'm older than you. I know what older men do. Be careful, please. Don't worry. We, we we stick together, you know? And I'm like practicing and like, you know, stabbing things. And we just, oh my gosh, Bunny, we just like create, we just like killed this like thing that looked like a chest, but it wasn't a chest and it had teeth and it like Cal got stuck on it. And oh my gosh, you should have seen Dawn. She like caused so much damage to it and she killed it. Hi, Bunny. She says hello. She barely gets out the word hello and communication cuts. 
I hurt her. Is she keeping in good health? Is she still seeing that other orc? I don't know. I didn't ask that, but she is worried about Cal. She's worried that he's an older man and he's scary, but I don't think he's scary. That's very kind of you. I would like to meet Bunny someday. You should. I think that you guys, oh, I think you guys would get along great. Cal, you are so much better than that other orc that she is seeing right now. I know, right? Are you single? Oh, no, I'm just looking to make friends these days. Well, Bunny's a very good friend. Oh, I, I am very certain if she's right. Such sweet princesses like yourselves. She has like a size 22 shoe. Wow, that's a big bunny. You, you'll have to meet her someday. But I can hang on to this club. But if anybody wants to, if anybody wants to communicate with people, Cal, you the, you have a daughter, right? No, not anymore. Oh, well, that's sad. What happened? Oh, I. Let's just put the torch over where the ghost can't see, and then I think we all know what time it is. It is time to talk about our feeling. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no, no. We must certainly say that for another time. I do appreciate it, but I'm just well, not in the mood to discuss it. And I know we've just met, and um, it's a very touchy subject, if you don't mind. It is bad to run from your feelings, but. I will respect what you say. Uh, oh, uh, you're laughing again. That's good. You are in good spirit. Wait, are you crying or are you laughing? I don't know. I'm just going to go and just pat him on the shoulder. Oh, oh, nothing. I'm just reminiscing. Would it make you feel better to open another chest? It would make me feel better to know that these parents of their own lost children will have their kids back someday. Okay. As you guys are standing there having a heart-to-heart in front of the chest, that first chest you reach in and remove the cloak from uh, vanishes. I think we should randomly choose again because that worked the first time. Cal, why don't you pick the next chest? Pick this bottom right one here. I'm going to touch it. As soon as you touch it, the lock pops open and you open it up and you see almost an identical matching pile of cloth. Uh, I will pick it up. Okay, you pick it up, and you are also holding a cloak of communication. This is wonderful. I will talk to Bunny once they are out of here, because right now I think that cow might be feeling a little emotional. Yeah, so maybe we should, like, try to get through the chests and, you know. Well, and I need to have a talk with her in private about the other guy. Wait, in private? In private without me? Oh, no, with you, but... You know, I just don't like Gorgle. I don't like Gorgle either. But we need to have a talk with her because he has not a good influence at all. No, I mean, going to parties is not a personality trait. You know, like, I don't know. He's just not mature for his age. He's kind of a stick in the mud. He has like no hobbies or anything. I know. No, and it's so funny because one time I even asked him what his hobbies were and he said drinking beer. Like, ooh, you know? I mean, I like beer as much as the like next tiefling, but like, come on. Well, talking i take the lantern from whoever's holding it and then i walk over to the next chest to the left dnd let's work <laughs> at the task at hand shall we okay yeah we'll talk about gorgo later i have i take the lantern from cal and i'm going to touch the chest with my left hand as soon as you touch the chest the spectral being pops over to you it screams it touches you you and the specter vanish <gasps> The lock does fall loose, but you both vanish. No. Cal, I am going to lose it. Where the heck did she go? It's okay. We'll find it. We'll find it. I, I, I'm, we just have to keep going, right? 
the chest is in front of you unlocked. I put I put the chest of or the cloak of communication on and I try to talk to Dusk. Dusk, can you hear me? Dusk can hear Dawn. Where are you? Dusk? Dusk? I'm going to have a red light, Mr. Wizard. It's uh, it's all right. I um uh, I make a little minor illusion of um, uh, flowers. They don't hear here. Here, look. Those are nice. You like this? You like sparkles, correct? Yes. Look at it. Look at it. Look at the petals. How many? How many petals are this flower? Huh? Let's count them. Let's count them together. Huh? One. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. Four. That's right. Four petals only. <laughs> I wanted to flower with more petals. Okay. Okay. He thinks the flower has ten petals. <laughs> look at this one. Where are you? Well, I'm, I'm hanging upside down. Play right now. This is no time to play. Why are you hanging upside down? I know, I know, I know, but just don't hoist walk in and somebody else here. Hold on. Communication stops. What did she say? Where is she? She just said that she was hanging upside down and that it was hoist, I think. Let me ask you something. Did she have the last piece of taffy? No, there's no more taffy. We, I thought we had a half a bill. Wait. Your old age is getting to you. This is the worst day of my life. But we can also make this the best day of your life if we figure out these chests. What is in the chest that you just opened? Um, you open it and you see a identical cloak sitting on the ground with the chest. Okay. I take this cloak. Maybe we use it to talk to her again? Let's just... Or we can just get this last chest open and see what happens next. Will you go over and unlock the last chest? The last chest pops open without any issue at all. You are looking at a shimmering black surface, very similar to the doors that you went through the last time. I stick my staff through it a little bit. You can't tell what happened, but nothing happened to your staff. What do you think? Do you think Dusk is through there? Should we go in and find out? Can can I fit in the chest? Yeah, you guys can both fit in the chest. Can you hold my hand? Oh, of course. I hold her much tinier hand. I'm going to lower you in first, okay? You lower her in. Both of you guys drop through the chest. You have appeared in this room. You came in from a different side. Instead of being on the southern side, you are on the northern side of the room now up here. You guys have all walked in. In front of you, you see two chests facing you, two chests facing away from you on a big blue rug, and that is all you see at the moment, except for you guys all see a glimpse of a spectral being here. Uh, you guys are all close enough within eyesight that you would see this. Being tired of seeing those things. Hmm. Another trick-or-treater. Get this man a pickle. I got it. Don't you worry. I'm going to take my pickle. I'm going to take like a third of it off. Okay. I'm going to walk up to the spectrum and say, here you go, little guy. Trick or treat. Something delicious to eat. So tell me exactly what you're doing right now while handing the pickle to the spectral being. I need to know. So sure. assume a spectral being is standing in front of you, um, mm -hmm. hands kind of like by its side. What um, are you attempting to do? I have the pickle nub okay. and I'm holding it out straight in front of me, making it very clear that I'm trying to just give it to him. Here you go. Take the pickle. So as you reach towards it and you're holding the pickle out, its right hand comes up almost like it's like an Oliver Twist style thing, like holding out its hand because it wants something. So then I put the pickle in the hand. 
I need to know, are you dropping it into the hand? Are you placing it in the hand? Well, Yana, he already tried touching these astral things. He doesn't know if it's going to just like fall to the ground. So he is like slowly putting it in the palm and just like trying to see if there's some sort of reassurance that it's not just going to like fall to the ground. Can't waste that pickle. So because of the size of the nub of pickle you're holding, mm-hmm. the way that the spectral's hand is out, your wrist makes contact with the spectral's fingers. It screams. You drop the pickle, you and the specter disappear. What? And that was the end of Yana. (laughs) What? And we will go from there. But yes, you hear the same identical loud screech the first time Yana attempted to give a pickle to the spectral being, or Zog did, and the pickle drops to the ground, the little pickle nub, but Yana and the spectral being have both vanished. Okay. Uh, Nelesian would rush to where they were at. Okay. Pull the lantern back out and just kind of start looking around, hoping that the lantern will reveal something like it revealed the spike. You do not see anything in the vicinity of the spectral being and Oriana. Zog, they've disappeared. That's weird. I'll do a quickly, quickly do a full circle. Uh, any, any clues around? So Zog is looking for clues. So give me a perception check. Do an investigation check for me there. And Elisa, as you're checking out the room. Okay. I got 10. 8 on mine. Um, so on the perception check, you don't see any clues per se. You do notice that one of the chests looks slightly different than the others that you'd seen. Three of the four look identical to the three that you guys have seen in the previous rooms. The fourth one looks slightly different. Nothing crazy, just kind of a different hue to it. For the investigation check, you don't notice anything out of the ordinary other than you feel like there has been somebody or something else here recently besides you guys in the spectral being. You can't really tell where, but you have this feeling about you as you're looking around the room that things are a little bit disheveled and not as neat as the other rooms. It looks like things have been uh, tampered with. Hmm. I'm going to go to the, uh, the different chest and just kind of poke it with my sword. So as you get to that chest, what you've noticed about it is there was something inlaid into the trim of the chest. So like, imagine where the clasp for the upper lid wraps around. There's something inscribed in there. It's a bunch of different languages written all around the outside. You recognize some, you don't recognize all of them. They're all languages you've seen, you just don't understand most of them. And all it says is one of many in the languages you do recognize written around it. That's the only difference you see there. The chest itself is fine, but the hinge around it has some writing on it. And you said nothing was revealed by the lantern. Correct, yeah, nothing was revealed by the lantern. Were you including the chests with that or just the room? Because if not, I'll... So nothing visually changes on the room, the chests or anything like that. Again, all of the chests are closed at this point, but nothing has changed visually that you've seen throughout the room. So seeing Zog kind of really look at that chest, I'll just kind of wait and see what he's going to do. Keep poking it with my sword. You poke it with the sword, (laughs) nothing happens. Where's Where's George? Maybe there's a clue or a tool inside these chests. I'll open this one first. 
you open the chest and right in the center of the chest is a silver coin so it's not a traditional coin it's more of like a token picture like something about the size of a half dollar it doesn't match any currency you're used to seeing it has a red hand on one side if you flip it over it has a squinting eye on the other side picture the stealth symbol on Elder Scrolls or any high fantasy game where you're sneaking around, something along those lines. I have Sauron-esque visuals. Okay. When you take the coin out of the chest, the chest vanishes. Mm-hmm. I'll try to open the chest in front of me. You open the chest in front of you. Inside of it, you find a pocket watch. Uh, this, this looks like a um, typical pocket watch. Yeah, it's um, kind of like tarnished bronze, if you want to get visuals on it. Kind of like a, an oldish, copperish color to it. Like I said, tarnished bronze. You don't really notice anything about it other than it kind of looks like a very used pocket watch. The little button you push, when you push it on the very tip of the button that you'd push to pop the pocket watch open, you also see a tiny little eye on it. But you notice through the tarnishment of the thing, it doesn't look like an eye by itself. It almost looks like you'd picture a third eye looking on like a human third eye, like kind of the mystic all-knowing eye that you see. That's That's gotta be worth something. I'll, I'll pick it up. Cool, pick it up. So then as soon as you do that, this chest also vanishes. Can I um, pull out my container of mocking and put, put the pocket watch in there? you can when you open the container of mocking you see exact duplicates of everything you've put in there so far you see the lock of hair and the pile of coins that you'd put in there whoa what is it what Uh, there's a lot more money than i put in here inside your box yeah and there's two uh locks of hair so it's not just a simple box Uh, i guess not um i'm gonna close it again with all the, with everything still in there and open it again. So the pocket watch has duplicated, the other two have not. Mm, two for one for Zog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose we'll open up this other chest since there's very little else to do in here. So you open that chest up and on the inside, you see a singular ink pen. We'll reach in and pick it up. Is there anything special about it, or is it just a normal pin? Uh, It looks like a normal pin to you, Mm -hmm. other than you see a singular inscription on it. How many languages do you speak? Common and Elvish and Sylvan and Celestial. Uh, You see nine characters on the pin, three in one bunch, two in another bunch, and then four in the last bunch. So it looks like, I mean, picture the equivalent of a Wheel of Fortune puzzle. You just don't Mm -hmm. know what's in the spots. You recognize two of the characters on there. One is in common. It's the letter O. You recognize it in the first spot of the grouping of three. So it's group of three, group of two, group of four. You notice in the first spot of the group of three. And then you also recognize the first one in the group of two as an O as well, but it's in celestial. So it's common on the first O, celestial on the second O. Gotcha. And you don't recognize anything in the last grouping of four or any of the others. You just recognize those two in particular. Uh, I'll carry it over to Zog. 
Do you recognize any of these letters? In what languages do you speak, Zog? Common, Goblin, and Sylvan. You would recognize the last letter of the first grouping of letters as an E in Goblin. It's weird. It's uh, it's an E, but uh, I'll just point to the where I see the E. I'm telling Alicia and it's an E. I guess um, last thing to do is open this last chest. So Zog opens the last chest there, and you don't see anything on the inside. Oh, this, this one's empty. Oh, wait. I'll come over. Lantern's still burning. Perfect. As you shine the lantern into the chest, you see a filmy blackness very similar to that of the doors that you guys have walked through a couple of times at the bottom of the chest. Looks like this is our way out, Zog. And I'll hop inside. What does Zog do? I'll follow him. Zog hops inside, and this is where we are going to end it. But what happens is you hop into the room and you are presented by what Zog and Nelisin see as they hop through the chest, they end up in a room and in front of them is a giant glass pane and you are looking in at Yana hung suspended upside down by the ankles and chains overlooking a vast chamber below and the same thing that Yana sees you guys also see you see a bunch of tiny misty creatures or something running around on the floor of the chamber below Yana Ooh, yikes and that is where we're gonna call it. I've heard of a cliffhanger. This is my first elf hanger. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> it's half, it's half elf. You bug there. I like it. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Nerdy Twenty, a D and D podcast brought to you by the Nerdosphere. Be sure to follow and subscribe for every episode that releases bi-weekly. If you really like what we do, go over to patreon.com slash the Neurosphere, where you can find out how to support the show and earn sweet perks while doing so. Be sure to check out our other shows, the Neurosphere and Anime Ultra, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.